What is going on, everybody? It is your weekly AW review and breakdown. This is Eat, Sleep, Elite, your weekly AW podcast. And we're back at it again. And there's some fun stuff to talk about this week. Um, and you had uh, you've been gassing it up a little bit. We had kind of like probably one of the best Ring of Otters we've had in, in a little bit of time. Um, as well as some other really other good stuff like Adam Copeland, Christian Cage heating up. We got the devil mass men. We're going to finally see them in the ring. Maybe we'll get some hints. Maybe we won't, you know, uh, it could be complete misdirection. They could have other people in those masks and have them wrestle a certain way. That way we don't know. We've also seen Brian Danielson wrestle in a mask before and wrestle a completely different style than what he normally wrestles, you know? So, um, yeah. And it, it, it literally took him coming out and saying, no, that was me. You know, um, we also got a little update on Serena Deebs, who, who's been dealing with some pretty, I mean, they're pretty terrifying st- sounding stuff injury wise, you know, um, Stuff you don't want to hear, but, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit positive. And we also got all of our results, you know, Ring of Honor, uh, Dynamite, Collision, and Rampage. And holy shit, I'm about to lose my fucking voice here in cough, so just talk for a second, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, just carrying off the Ring of Honor thing, because I think, I think it's important to highlight it on some weeks where uh, there's been some good criticism, I think, of the way they've, they've booked the show. But I, I thought this was one of those weeks where it was very coherent. We moved forward on a lot of storylines. and the, the the biggest, the most ironic thing about all of it is we have, like, no champions heading into the final battle. Yet, outside of Athena, of course, yet we're, we're, we booked this great of a show pushing so many things forward. I was like, I just, I, I think it was important for us to highlight that off the top before we, you know, get into all the goodies today. 100%. And, uh, you know, before we get into all the goodies, as you mentioned, just a couple of business to take care of. We got, uh, you know, a podcast feed that you can subscribe and or follow or whatever the button is on whatever podcast platform you have to be listening to this to. Whatever podcast platform you happen to be listening to this to. I'm trying to speak right now. Yo. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been a little sick lately. So if I come off a little bit off, that's why. Anyway, um, you also can make sure you follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at Bane Duke. That's B-A-N-E-D-U-K-E. And at, uh, you follow Charlie at O-Charlie with an X instead of an A. And you can follow the podcast itself at Eat Sleep Elite on Twitter. And uh, we've actually made some cool messages lately. People have been like really enjoying the show and um, they trust our opinion, which is uh, you, that I appreciate that because I always try to be like, you know, and something that they said actually in one of the comments uh, or messages that we got this week was they, they we're always honest about how we feel about a storyline. If we're not feeling it, we're not going to sit here and be like, oh, fuck, I love AEW so much. Give that Put that shit in my mouth. You know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, like we're not going to do that. If we didn't like it, we'll tell you, we'll be honest. And, you know, maybe that's why. We don't get the interaction between us and AEW that other shows get. It also could be that we don't have, like, you know, a wrestler or something like that or, like, whatever. But, like, it doesn't really matter because we'll just give you guys our honest take, you know. Um, and I appreciate when people when people notice stuff like that. Um, also, you know, um, I'm trying to think. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Um, I, think we're, I think we're cooking pretty good here. Yeah, I just, you know, uh, <clears throat> go ahead and jump into favorites, Charlie. Let's get right into it. Too. Yeah, so, yeah in. so my turn here. I'll, I'll step on the uh, I'll, I'll step on the pitch, if you will. Step on right? the gas? Oh, okay. And, um, God, it's going to be a common theme here the next couple weeks. It's the Continental Classic. It's, you know, which which one resonated with, with the guys most this week. Um, for me... We're going to the main event of Dynamite. I will say this. If I wasn't picking a Continental Classic match, I thought what they were doing with Vikingo and Kip Sabian was a lot of fun, which we'll get into that towards the end of the show. But no, we're, we're going with Swerve Strickland and Switchblade Jay White. I thought commentary here really did a great job. The storyline the these us. two could have, by the way. I was just thinking yeah. about this while watching the match. If you wanted to like say these guys don't either of them win this tournament, which they might not, you know what I mean? 
um, or at least make the finals, th- maybe they should feud afterward. I think that could be some incredible storytelling. And and as well, these are two like blood scaling fucking heels. Two of our best heels right now, outside of Samoa Joe. And I genuinely think you could turn one of them face out of a few with each <laughs> you other. Could, they're, you they're could. So and... one, they're both so dastardly. You could turn both. Because yeah. both of them are kind of baby faces anyway, at least on Collision. You know what I mean? But Swerve has been so over as a baby face. And people want to get back to that because he's been so damn evil. So I don't mean to step on, on your side. Yeah, no. But, but you know. it's it's this idea that even in this tournament with, honestly, I, I, as I like to put it, two of our final bosses in the heel division right now. They they go out there and wrestle a match and and it doesn't it it's not just a boo fest you know like you'd imagine like oh oh they're just all heels that's not really how it works here and in AEW specifically like they just go out there and they wrestle the damn thing and I thought there was a really good chance that they were going to do the twenty minute time limit and they they kept bringing it up and I'm like okay either they're you know igniting it towards us or it's a fake out <clears throat> ended up being a fake out and Justin Roberts made the fifty minute call. And yeah, so the the finish really, I I, got to tell you, I think having these two guys in this spot is hopefully a glimpse into our main event picture of 2024. I think between these two and Will Ospreay, I think there's, there's a really, there's going to be a fresh vibe in the main event division of AEW. And I, I think this was a glimpse into it. And I'm curious, you know, in 12 months from now in December, when we're doing our show, are we talking about one of these guys as world champion? I think there's a chance. Um, but, you know, some of the stuff here, Danielson being on commentary was was pretty nice. He was on commentary here, right? I got notes from Danielson. Maybe it was on collision. Either way. Danielson was talking about uh, Swerve Strickland at some point, and it was really nice. Um, but I thought Jay White was bringing in his – there was almost like this G1 vibe with the way he was treating this match. Like he, he was going to all ends and not having anyone at ringside. This is one of those matches where it really felt like, you know, if this was just a normal dynamite, I could see the guns fucking someone over or, you know, Brian cage makes a run in and hits a fucking GTS. Right. Was not the case here. They let him go all the way out. Strickland ends up getting the win. And yeah, I just, I thought they wrestled a very, very like, it was like a clean hard hit. It's hard to say hard hitting this week when we had Kingston and Danielson, but honestly, I'll just save you the trouble. Every single match match in this tournament has been as hard hitting as possible. And I think that's, I think that's part of the reason why, like when you see a match like that, you're like, oh, well that's so hard hitting. I I think it's hard to compare because they're two giants compared to like some normal sized people. You know what I mean? Like. I think the way I'm trying to phrase it is these are two guys that they I'm, I'm talking in kayfabe here. These are two guys going out there that they know to get to that next step. There's only going through each other. And I, I, you, I don't yeah, know how no to describe excuses. But, there's no cut. But you could feel time. it. You could feel the energy. And it's like they have no reason to hate each other, but they they fucking do. You know, so what did you what did you think of this match? I don't know. I went really fucking. No, you're good. Really horrific right. with it, I guess. But uh, what did, what did you think of this one? It's – I – first of all, it was really funny when uh, the Jay White was thrown into the crowd and then a fan tried to steal him. Don't do that, people. Come on. Um, <laughs> he, let, let Jay get back to the ring. Um, do they have this half and half uh, spot out of the ring onto the apron? And, bro, I just – they and they started suplex and swerve all over the place. 
I think this is like more proof to me that like, and I'm not saying get rid of what the guns do because obviously it's a good bailout. So you don't have people losing the Jay White constantly. And then now you had the conversation of, are they losing too much? Which always comes up every time everybody loses a single match in AEW, you know? Um, it's amazing, but whatever. Um, yeah, everyone here knows exactly what you're saying. They're like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually read something about that last week. Yeah, like, I know. No, I yeah, know. It's... People losing in this tournament, a fucking tournament for the fucking modern American triple crown <laughs> is fucking hurting them. Oh my God. Anyway. Um, yeah, no, like they were just like, yeah, suplexes and stuff like that. Like, oh dude. And then that suplex sequence getting cut off. I swear it was just insane. Lariat. Like, look, look, man, like this is a perfect example to me of like, if you take that stuff away from Jay White, how fucking great he is of telling a story in the ring without having to say very well put very Um, well put because when he's forced not forced when he's required to go out there and just have these matches you know where somebody will get you know fired for interfering or whatever it means that he has to do everything like you were saying in his power to win and that's the best version of jay white uh this is kind of the jay white we got versus eddie kingston at what was that uh uh, dominion or whatever last year whatever it was um yeah that got kicked out of New Japan. That that Jay White we have uh, we've had some great matches with Jay White. Don't get me wrong, he's had a great run in AEW. I don't think we've quite gotten to that level of Jay White that we got in that match in his last match in New Japan. You know, um, which is understandable. It's his last match there. You know what I mean? At least for a long time. But um, this, I think we got to that version of Jay White, and I think this is the first time since Swerve um, has. Uh, I think Swerve's role has been incredible, but I think we're now starting to see a version of Swerve that. I think it's almost starting to become, it's not even a question of when anymore. It's an inevitability of when is this guy going to become the AEW world champion at some point, you know? Um, Dude, I speaking on that, I saw a clip of him last night at the Jaguars game. And they're playing his theme music over it. Like, and he's there. And he's they're, they're playing his theme. And it's just like, I don't know, he, he I, I'm not a fan of the word aura all the time. But he has this aura that, like, it's like, dude, this is a fucking, this is, this is a champion, you know? Like. So you mentioned the finish, and I do want to talk about that a little bit. Yes. The so Swerve is winning this tournament so far. The way he is winning his matches in this tournament is by just delving, delving deeper down to that dark part of his soul, Charlie. He's digging it out. Um, and that's how, and that's how he's picking up these wins. And I, I mean, like, so a perfect example mid-match he hit the kill shot to the arm we don't see him do that much in aw no. that's a that he uses that spot when he feels like he needs to to win you know um God, I, just, I really I, I had a blast watching this match i did um, too dude like when jay white starts biting his fucking hand <laughs> i'm like dude how, how bad do they want it like oh i just thought it was beautiful absolutely beautiful so i'm i'm sure uh I'm sure we're going to be talking about another tournament match here. So what a, what caught your attention the most this week? What was your favorite? Shocking nobody this week. I picked the main event of Collision, which was Eddie <laughs> Kingston versus okay, Brian yes, Danielson. Yes. Um, oh, geez, dude. I Look, I'm a simple wrestling fan. I, I see a Brian Danielson match. I enjoy a Brian Danielson match. And you should, too, if you're a simple wrestling fan like myself. Anyway, um, but, uh, dude, they're just slapping the absolute, or I should say smacking the absolute dog piss out of each other, dude. They were just having a fucking blast. You could tell, dude, Eddie was cheesing for, like, the first 10 minutes of this match. He couldn't even hold it back. He was just having a fucking blast, and they are just having a hard-hitting fucking mm, kind of match. You know, that kind of match is just your fucking blood flowing. It was at the end of the show, too. Imagine walking out of the show how fucking pumped you were. I mean, there were probably tapings and stuff afterward, but you know what I mean? Like, 
whatever. Ground like, beef but, chest. Oh, dude, we got that version of Danielson. Every time he comes back from an injury, bro, bro's got to get that chest all fucking right. It's like a fucking tradition. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and I'm I'm here for it, you know? Um, and bro, there was this spot where Eddie got chopped and he was like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? And then we hit him back with a fucking brutal chop that just knocked him on his ass. Dude, that was awesome. Dude, I love this fucking match. Um, they were selling the shit of each other's offense and the crowd was dude. The crowd was actually super lit for this whole episode of collision. I don't know what was up. They just were really fucking into this show. And probably cause the three matches they got from the classic were all fucking pretty great. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but this fucking match, they were so loud for it, Charlie. They were so into this. Oh, I mean, my. I know Eddie's one of the AW fans guys and he's one of mine as well. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of his and, Brian is just Brian. I mean, Brian will always be over no matter where he. Brian could be wrestling in front of thirty people, and that crowd would sound like it had ten thousand people in it. You know what I mean? Like, um, not really, but you know what I mean. Like, uh, that's obviously how sound works. But yeah, there were some absolutely thunderous chops toward the end by Eddie, and then we got to the spot that I always love—the All Japan Beauty, the all the head drops all over the place, which is obviously you know it's always a great idea when you have a concussion history. Anyway. Um, but uh, no, nah, but anyway, we all know Brian Danielson doesn't give a fuck. He's literally doesn't care if he dies in the ring tomorrow. He's like, yeah, whatever. I had a good life, you know. Um, maybe not hey, so much now. Probably couldn't think of a better way to go out, right? He, he probably would nah, still be with his maybe one. Stuff, maybe maybe the there's one. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, the uh, yeah, and people fix the one with the uh, Busaiko knee. So obviously Brian's kind of a little bit fighting from behind here technically in this tournament, which I think is a story they'll go with from him because he had to start late or whatever. I'm curious how they're going to remedy that. Do you think he's just going to have a match on both shows one week, um, or something, or like when the rest of the matches are over, they'll just have him run a couple more to fill out the. Because like, he is. I'm thinking be you're going to see a dilemma where everyone gets one week off. That could happen. Like, like a bye week. That could happen. Because yeah. to be honest with you, there's only five matches for all of them, and they have yeah. three per show. So I think six weeks. I think there was six weeks too. So so there's there's time. And they, if they need to be like, hey, we screwed up because we didn't know Deb Ryan wasn't going to be back, so we need an extra week. I don't think wrestling fans would be that mad. You know, like, I don't think AEW will do that, though, because it's not really how AEW If AEW just did that more often, I think people would be a little bit more forgiving of stuff. You know what I mean? Because sometimes they're just like, nope, it's fine. Everything's work. This was always the plan. It's like, no, it clearly wasn't. You know what I mean? Like, anyway. Um, uh, and we got some big announcements at the end of this match as well for matches for next week, Charlie, which, um, I mean, we could pro- we'll probably talk about that in either between news or somewhere. But I just want to talk because it was part of the commentary for this section. Uh, we got Eddie versus Claudio coming up and Andrade versus Brian. Two huge rematches of big matches that we've had recently in AW that were fucking bangers. And we all know the history between Eddie and Claudio. Uh, just... Yeah, insanity on the yeah. way, and yeah. insanity right here. Uh, just talk about this match a little bit. This Charlie, the, the 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 key point that I wrote in my notes that I wanted to say before I throw it to you is that this reminded me of the kind of match that Brian used to have back in the day on the Indies all the time, like Indie dot Brian Danielson that would just beat the shit out of you and smile the whole time, you know, like yeah, absolutely. And yeah, dude, this is just so freaking good. I mean, this is one of those matches that I often reference. You could clip and do, you know. 90 seconds and the, the what people are going to see from that thing they'll be like what the hell is going on over there you're going to see this and be like do those guys like actually dislike each other like is this is is that yes meant to be that? is this meant to, <laughs> is this meant to do that like it, it's it, it's all fake right and it's like wait a minute that guy's bleeding out of his fucking chest from getting slapped so many times um but no uh it was just truly 
I, I think you covered it perfectly. It was it was it was spectacular. And this is one of those matches that, you know, I, I think rewatch value is always there. And when we look at the the catalog of matches in Brian Danielson's career in AEW. When that time comes, this is going to be one that we Bro, do remember. That's going to be one of the most watched playlists because right Dude, behind is... CM Punk on, on the streaming service is going to be the Brian Danielson years. And it's going to be incredible. And I'll add another one. When we talk about Eddie Kingston's career in AEW, you know, I, I don't know the heights it's going to reach. I don't know. I he, I think he'll win the world title at least once. I, last year, I 100% thought the same. I don't, I don't know. I'm standing here today. I don't know. I don't know if I feel the same I, I did. But, you know, I, I think next week. Something we need them to do on collision. They're gonna have the pre-match, like you know, the 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 cold open with Eddie and Claudio. I think we need like a two-minute Nigel narrated video package, kind of detailing briefly the history as much as they can in that two minutes, and including the stuff from this from this recent year with them. I think I think the fans deserve that that don't know the history. I think the the match itself deserves that and i really hope because you know how they do that they like to we, how many yeah, times and, and like they've shown they're capable of getting in contact with somebody like chicata yep. or somebody like that in the next in the last in like the week let's before, let's, really, like, hey, let's really let's really highlight we want to tell this story because you guys did such a great job with it you know a lot of wrestling companies would be willing to, to let them do that agreed yeah and i i think that would be a very well uh thing that they could do this week for collision which funny enough it's like taping almost nearly as we're doing the show which is kind of funny Okay, so we do have some news today. Um, some of it's kind of weird. Some of it's kind of like shocking, and some of it's sad. So let's uh, let's start in with the uh, let's start in with some cool stuff here. Something we like to do. I don't know how many other shows do this. How, many people might not care, but um, when AW reveals their dates and locations for the pay per views, we like to talk about it because I think it always kind of sets the vibe. And we have a date for a date and uh, location for. AW Revolution 2024, and if you guys do remember, that will be Sting's final match. It will take place at this revolution, and it's going to be happening at the Greensboro Coliseum in North Carolina on March 3rd. And that is the venue in 1988 where Ric Flair defended the NWA World Championship against Sting in a 45-minute drawback at the first Clash of Champions. So I thought that was really neat. And um, I will just say one thing. The more and more they talk about how much they've wrestled on TNT... I'm scared they're going to try and have a match between the two of them. I, yeah, please, God, no. This is an important match, though, for someone. I would still do Darby Allen, but maybe they don't want to. Um, Matt Hardy's been talking a little bit lately. He has his show called The Extreme Life with Matt Hardy. And the headline here is he's been very frustrating with how AEW's utilized the Hardys lately. He said, uh, I feel like there's such a great spot for us at AW. If we're utilized, if we are just utilized in the correct way, we've just got to get there. Um, he said, there's a huge fan base that wants to see us and we're beloved. Sure, we're not Matt and Jeff Hardy in 99 and 2000, but there's so much we can do to help young guys continue to come up and also give rub off to these young guys. Couldn't agree more with that. But we just need to be utilized in the right way. And we hope we can get there. We feel like we'll be, we feel like we're taking steps in the correct direction now. And he's just kind of talking about, some little frustrations. So, I mean, his uh, argument has basically been our argument, which is that it's not that yeah, they're they're bad. I, they're not. Jeff Hardy can still do some pretty crazy stuff for how fucking beat up he is. You know what I mean? But like, and 
and they one just, of the main they, things they need to be used right and and i yeah. think one of the ways they've been used right i think zay is now more over than he's ever been and as part of the stag agree with those guys Agreed. and i think mark quinn will benefit from that as well when he's able to come back you know what i mean like so and i've seen i've seen people taking this headline it's why i wanted to wanted to bring this one in because i, I i'm sure some people also saw it kind of hit the waves and and they were just shit talking it because all they did was read the headline and you know, as we just did, it took us 20 seconds to read it. What he really wants to do is use their legacy, their legends, to build up new teams. And he said it's just been frustrating because he feels like he hasn't been able to do that lately. That makes it here and stand for the acclaim. And I'm not right? saying Billy Gunn hasn't lost less of a step than the Hardys. Clearly, he has a, a great workout regimen and has, has been working on it for years. Obviously, his body's in way better shape. But he didn't do the same things that they did. So that's a lot more understandable. So, mm-hmm. like, for me, I still have a lot of love for the Hardys, especially Jeff, because it was more like I've talked about this on a recent podcast. He's one of my top three wrestlers for me, you know, that I personally like. Um, and I, I, I think the part that sucks for me is now seeing them in that state. I just don't want to see them on my screen that much anymore because yeah. it makes me sad, I agree with you know? That. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with both of that, yeah. But at the same time, they still have utility. Everything has fucking utility in wrestling. I've seen guys break, pull, pull a quad and then they're just like, beat the shit out of me. Just beat me down. Now you're healed. Just go for it. You know what I mean? And that's utility. Like if you you can in the moment, everything can be going wrong and you can still find something positive in wrestling to make out of it. That's, I don't know. But I think this is one of those scenarios where I think both things are true. I think people don't really care to see them on TV, but people also want to see them put over you know, new talent. It's, I think both, both things are true and it, it puts them in a weird spot. So I, I mean, we had thought, I, I remember a couple months ago when they, they were going for the ring of honor tag titles and we we're like, well, that actually makes a lot of sense. There's a whole batch of teams on there that they've never faced. And then they ended up not going that route. And, you know, I, I, I hope that they do have an end game in mind because it, it doesn't hurt to get their rub off on um, some of the newer talents. Um, so yeah, uh, Ronda Rousey. Um, she's kind of talked about recently. She was interviewed by TMZ, TMZ Sports, and she said she's not planning to join AEW. She's the right now. She's focused on being a full time mom. Um, she doesn't think we'll see her in AEW anytime soon. And yeah, I mean, I, I this feels like it kind of goes. There's there's like a really really long quote here from Meltzer, but the just fit is it feels like you know. I, I think she's just kind of wanting to have have her fun in wrestling when she sees the time to do it. She doesn't want it to be a full-time thing, you know? So, you know, hey, good for her. And, and her showing up on Ring of Honor last week, I'm sure, brought some eyes to it that hadn't seen it before. I'm almost so. certain if they wanted to get a singles match between her and um, Layla Hirsch, I'm sure they could make that happen. I'm sure they, I'm sure they could. And I, th- I think they will at some point. I think that makes just too much sense to not at least have her even if she loses to face Ronda, you know what I mean? I think that makes her a little bit more legit. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, just, <laughs> I, I really, I don't care personally. Can I say that? Yeah. Is that is that a shitty thing for me to say? Like Ronda no. Rousey just has never done it for me, you know? No, yeah, um, absolutely. And so if she wants, I would much rather her be like a, a tier deal one shot type person than even if it is going to cost the company a lot of money because if, you know, I... Uh, I think she again has utility, like everything it does in wrestling. But I don't think, I don't think AEW would be the right. I'll place tell you what, her. I'm cool if they can get her for final battle, have her and Marina Shafir face uh, Mercedes Martinez and Diamante. Let's take that. 
why not? She's loving this tag division stuff. Those are that's a fresh new tag team. So why not? Yeah, I mean, right? I mean, it could work. Yeah. So we got some updates on Bandito. He had surgery in early January uh, to for his uh, triangular fibrocartilage complex injury. It's the bones that connect the forearm to the wrist. He uh, he got surgery on it, and he was booked for a show on December 9th in Mexico. And he came out with a statement that the arm did not heal properly, and he has to have another surgery. That's the kind of stuff that's very unfortunate to hear. Um, I think so, it's going to work in his favor, though. I think he'll have been gone for so long that even – I don't think people are going to forget him. He's too memorable to not – um, I think all you had to do, stick him in a match with Commander as soon as he gets back, or Vikingo, or somebody like that, in everyone's like, oh yeah, I forgot about this guy, but now I remember, because he's amazing. You know, I don't think it's... I, I, I think... I think... I think the You know what? This is going to be a controversial take, but I bet it's probably accurate. I doubt he'd be used as much as we would want him to be used right now if he was available. So I think it might actually be benefiting him, because of how much talent has just flooded recently, and how much is popular, and what they're doing right... He might have been in this tournament. Who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but we don't know that. And we don't know what his last however many months would have looked like. And we know how easy it is, as good as everybody is. Even a guy like Ray Phoenix gets lost in the shuffle. How is that possible? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he does. So, you know, like, I don't want to imagine that he'd be getting used properly, but I just don't know. So maybe it benefits him to be off TV for a bit, you know? Yeah, maybe it's... <sighs> Maybe it's one of those blessing in disguise things that, you know, it feels like the world's ending right now, but in the long run, maybe it's for the better. You know, get that return pop, that Randy Orton return pop. Brother. So Serena Deeb has been cleared to return, and she's finally given some updates on why she hasn't been able to wrestle since October 2022. Um, She said, I believe this is in an Instagram post, Instagram video that she made on Thursday. I just wanted to share with you today a little bit about what's going on with me. Since last October, I've had a series of three unprovoked seizures. This has been a really dramatic time period for me. It's affected my career, and it's affected my life in a lot of ways. It's been really scary for me. I've seen a lot of different doctors. I've had every test imaginable, and for the longest time, nobody could tell me why this happened. Being out of the ring has been very challenging for me. I love professional wrestling with everything in me, and I miss performing. I miss wrestling. I've kept this private and I've started learning more about seizures and how much more common it is. And I didn't realize how many people experience seizures. I just have so much empathy. I have, I know how scary it is. And I just want to send the message that you are not alone, that there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. So, and then she goes on to say she's, he- she's healthy and she's officially cleared to wrestle. Um, I, you know, it, it felt like it was abrupt when it happened, when she was, when she was kind of, she was featured. She was one of the only storylines that we had for a non-title that was featured week in and week out with her open challenges. Right? It was a legit thing. They yeah, and then it going. turned into an actual blood feud that worked out really well with Sheeta. That was one of the few times Sheeta's been brought in for a brief time and used extremely yeah. well. And they kept her around because it was like, well, they were like, well, we got this sort of heelish sort of Sheeta now. We got to make that work, you know. Didn't really go anywhere, but the, the opportunity was there. You know what I mean? Like... Um, and I feel like she's always kind of she's our type of wrestler in that she's she, she's that technical style wrestler. And it's I, I always enjoy seeing her. So uh, it, now that we know what what happened, it's just I, I feel like I, I'm glad that she's gotten better. And, and hopefully, you know, now she's got the time that she needs. And I, now I want nothing more than to see her out there in the ring, because now we are going to know how much it means to her. 
it's going to affect us when we see her in the ring again. So I think just as as a fundamental standpoint, like that's going to be a very nice moment to see her out there. Um, so yeah, it's uh, wishing the best for her and all that. Um, that being said, I think it's time we hop into our results, guys. And you know the vibe. So if, if this is your first time here, we like to go Ring of Honor into Dynamite into Rampage and send it home with Collision. So Duke is taking the wheel here. As you uh, you cover this awesome fucking episode of Ring of Honor TV that yeah. opens up with our world champion, mm-hmm. Ring of Honor episode, uh, sorry, Ring of Honor on Honor Club or Ring of Khan episode Khan! four. Uh, we had Athena opening up our show, and she says, "Fuck you, Eddie. Where the fuck are you, bitch? I'm the that. fucking real show. What the fuck? You try to come to my show and run my show? Nah, I ain't fucking happening." And uh, she also gives Billy a chance to redeem herself in this segment. Who comes up and is like, "Hey, you know, like we're, we're like, you know, like I'm sorry, I lost." And she's like, "How come every time we're in a tag match, you fucking lose?" Basically, you know, um, bar for bar, like yeah. they had to, <laughs> you know, um, basically. So, you know, and she's not wrong. And Billy to an extent, it's well, like, yeah, that, that, that's what she said. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think if I may have paraphrased <laughs> it slightly, you know. <laughs> Um, but Athena would totally say that. Uh, anyway, um, and we got our match card run down from Rickabani and uh, Caprice here, and there was a little list up there. And we opened up uh, specifically with our actual world champion and a Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor World Championship proving your match, which was a little bit silly to see him walking out with the title. I know technically they could pull it out of the Triple Crown briefly and have him defend whatever. It was just silly. We'll have it because clearly this wasn't taped before the classic started. I'm guessing you know what I mean. Before they established the rules of how that was going to work, because he's not walking around with the titles anymore. So, I ah, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I guess they want to get a few more proving ground matches or defenses or opportunities for people before the titles are like you know unified or whatever. So, I get it. Um, I think I actually did a lot of selling in this match, uh, but you know he ended up taking out uh, uh, you know uh, Lee pretty quick. He was facing Lee Johnson. Obviously, I, I forgot to mention that. Um, and you know, it, I wish it had been longer because Lee Johnson deserves better than that, but what can you do? You know, I, I agree. I wish it had been longer, but I like that they were not afraid to let him get the near fall as well yeah. as hit the big blue thunder bomb. Like Lee Johnson is one of those guys that every time we see him, I swear he always he's looking out, more yeah. and more crisp. Like yeah. it's everything, you know? Imagine pairing this guy with Brock Anderson before because he like, didn't know what to do with him. Wild, you know. Um, I could anyway. see him being recruited to the combat club. I, 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 if he finds himself under Danielson's wing in the back, I could see Danielson making the pitch. This, I definitely imagine when William Cause, cause was, like, running was stuff in the ring, he was probably yeah. the guys down there. I would Yuta hope, was you know? more of a star when he joined. Like he he was definitely in, in in you know in the in the pole, if you will. Yuta was a little higher on the on the, but. I still think it could happen with Lee Johnson. I, and I just got to say really quickly, the Cody Rhodes wrestling tree of like people that were connected to Cody vicariously, you know what I mean? Like is so insanely good. Like look at all the people that he helped to train. Like, they're all fucking major stars pretty much on the shows that they're on. Lay the groundwork right? for the future of this company. I mean, didn't he, uh, wasn't it a Julia Hart part, part of all that? Am I crazy? Like, um, maybe I'm wrong, but like point is like, I think so. I mean, she, yeah, she's really new to wrestling. So. Either way, even if she wasn't, I'm sure she got advice from all those people. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, just some good stuff, you know, quick match. But Eddie Kingston got on the show. So I guess I guess I can't say there's no champions on Ring of Honor anymore. Ha ha ha. I'll still say it. Um, mm-hmm. 
the uh, the boys took on the infantry. You know, the funny thing about the boys, Charlie, as a tag team is they're actually like a really, really good tag team. Like actually like in ring, they're actually stupid good. Like they just don't get used like that very often. But when they actually wrestle a match like this one against the infantry, they look awesome and they sell like fucking insane. So uh, shout outs to the boys for always putting in the work, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, it was another quick match. It took them to boot camp. Um, I've been saying this for weeks now. It's time to pull the trigger on the infantry. It really is. I don't know how you get there because I don't think you have them beat Max and Adam. I don't think that's how you do that, but I don't know how you get those titles off them to begin with, to be honest with you. Like, uh, and, it's and a tough thing. I will say this about the infantry, too. I think this is one of those groups and, and tag teams specifically that maybe let's keep off of AEW as a tag team until no, yeah, after make this their a Ring champions. of Honor team. That's, yes. I, I agree with that, that sentiment 100%. Um, let them be built up on Ring of Honor. Let them win the championship on Ring of Honor, yes. and then when that time comes to an end, you know, then debut them. Don't just don't do what you did with the Righteous, and yeah, they're winning matches on Ring of Honor. So let's pop them on Rampage. No, 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 yeah. no. Don't do that again. It didn't work. Hopefully, they learn from it. Yep, we got some more card run down here. Uh, we also had uh, cut back to the backstage, and we had Rachel Ellering and uh, Layla and Maria all kind of like part of an interview segment where they're like yo, what's up with this talking to the Renegades shit, you know? And Maria's like, uh, you know, it, it, don't worry about it. It's not that big of a deal. And they don't trust her, and understandably so, because she went and talked to the enemy after they talked to them, you know? So, um, but yeah, so I guess Maria Canellis is, uh, you know, I, I don't know where they're going to go with this. Is she going to get buried by her own ambition? Like, I have no idea what's happening here, because she's basically completely disconnected from the kingdom at this point. This is her own faction. I, you know, I don't even think it's the kingdom, you know, anymore. So... Um, cause the way she refers to, uh, Taven and, and, um, shit, I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Um, Bennett, Be Mike Bennett. Yeah. Um, it's almost like they're not her team anymore. You know what I mean? Like, and that makes sense. Cause Roddy seems to become the leader of that group. You know what I mean? Makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they've officially addressed that in storyline at this point. So I think that's worth bringing up. Um, do you think that's going to go anywhere with the renegades? Like maybe she's going to turn on these two and they're going to end up as a baby face tag team facing the renegades, maybe at the pay-per-view or something like that. That would be cool. Uh, hey, I, I'm perfectly down. If they want to establish multiple tag teams to, like, you know, have a division. I do think we are going to get women's yeah. tag titles at some point in one of the brands. I think it's kind of writing's on the wall for that at this point, right? It, I, I could see it. And, hey, if, if we're going to try it in Ring of Honor, it doesn't seem like I mean, they've tried to establish it in the past. They had TJ. They had, um, well, before, before obviously, uh, the Bunny was no longer with the company. We had the Bunny and Penelope Ford. We've always had women's tag teams in AEW, but they were just more faction-based than they were you know, going for any kind of titles unless they were going for like, you know, like kind of like how um, in NXT when Peyton Royce went for the title, you still had Billy there or whatever, kind of like that vibe. But I don't think we're going to do that anymore because we already saw what happened with that. And it's that you find out that Jamie Hayter is actually way better than Britt Baker and uh, not should not Britt Baker, but, you know, like, uh, you know, like and that maybe we should have her as the champion. And that's inevitably what happened. So anyway, yeah, um, right. Trisha Dora took on Emmy Sakura. This is a great match um not super long but the time they had i say this a lot about certain matches they used this time extremely well it felt like an actual struggle of a fight here it wasn't just two people like going through the motions having a match they were actually like it felt like they were trying to win and they had some good chop exchanges um i do think trish is in a bit of a weird spot right now because like the infantry is getting built up but she's also kind of in a spot where she's not really beating people like emmy which emmy is <sighs> I, I gotta ask you a question 
where does Emmy fall in the mid card? Because she's clearly not a main eventer, right? It's, but yeah, it, she feels like a former like longtime champion, but then you realize she hasn't held the belt before. So yeah, so yeah, she. It's I think they need to maybe they need to amend that. Maybe she needs to win like the TBS title or something briefly or something. I don't know, but um, or maybe like the Ring of Honor. Maybe she's one that can. Things don't really want to have her take it off Athena. I just see it's this was tough because you know like. I, I, again, it's Trish. I don't know if she'd be losing to Emmy here, but at the same time, Emmy is a bit established. So, but does the general AW fan even know who Emmy is? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, and she's back to her uh, abusing bald men. Um, so that's fun. Um, and we had uh, Layla Hirsch take on Heather Reckless here. We haven't seen Heather Reckless in a little bit. Um, but she's been one of those ones that I've been like, yeah, sign this person. Why are they not on your roster for Ring of Honor? I don't get it, you know? Um, Send it. Heather's actually shorter than Layla, which is fucking kind of impressive, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, she's she been a basic win, you know, locked in the cross arm breaker. Uh, good stuff here. But I mean, like, um, I just I was really surprised she was shorter than her. I do. Heather Reckless doesn't look I guess a lot of the women in AEW must be shorter than I than I realize, you know, like as I've seen her across the ring from other some of the other women. and She didn't look that much shorter than them. You know what I mean? So uh, whatever. It doesn't really matter, I guess. We had a uh, Willie Mack, who I wasn't expecting to see on this random episode of Ring of Honor. I mean, he's used so sparingly that I was like, "Whoa, we got some Willie Mack." Willie Mack, absolutely. He took on Robert Anthony. Um, essentially a squash, you know. Got a nice little quick. power bomb in. Got the win, you know. Yeah, the good stuff there, you know. All right, this is the match I wanted to talk about here. All right, Billy Starks took on Marina Shafir. All right, so we had Billy kind of fully embracing the sort of heelish side of herself, the sort of edge that she's been building up. All right. Because she's immediately jumping out of the ring. She's not letting her get any, you know, she's like, oh, shit, I didn't realize it was like that, Marina. And she just jumps out of the ring. She's like, all right, I'll do some warm-ups. I got this. Um, but she's also wrestling, like, she's not wrestling, like, I don't know, I, I wrote the word silly. That's not what it was. She almost had this, like, I don't know what the vibe is, like, kind of like girl next door. Like, she's just, care not careless, but, like, she's just, like, kind of like how Orange Cassidy is just, like, disc you know, like, whatever it is what it is i'll, I'll figure it out you know wasn't like, treating it like it's a fight to the death yes and now she is and i love that because it's like you can see like it's like oh it's great it's like actual storytelling and character development she's not just like oh i'm now a bad guy i'm gonna do bad guy things like some heels do you know um yeah. she's genuinely had a change in her in her mentality of uh what she thinks she needs to do to become a better wrestler and uh and it's actually starting to work its way into her matches hold on one second my nephew's yelling yeah, and I, I do agree. Like, you know, this is one of those scenarios where uh, I – we are big fans of Maria Shafir's style. And we've been able to see it develop over the course of this time. Then she's been in AEW, especially over the past 16 months. And I, Billy is – She's she's like the fucking it almost feels weird to say the female Nick Nick Wayne, but he's been dubbed the prodigy. And it feels like she's a fucking prodigy too. And we're seeing Oh, I, I've her been making comparisons between these, the two of them yeah. since they both arrived. Because they arrived around the same time. I mean, Billy had been in the company for a little bit on Ring of Honor, but she hadn't been used on AEW. But right around the same time they signed Nick, uh officially brought him up is when they started using her more. Yeah. So it it was really enjoyable to see. And um you know, the after the match, right? That's this is where the this is where the fun begins. 
Um, actually, I do want to just, even though my nephew's still young, I do want to actually get this uh, in really quickly because I do want to say this about Marina Shafir. I don't think she needs to be carried anymore, dude. I think she's now at the point. Everything she did in this match looked fucking fluid, dude. This looked, yeah, she, did. she did stuff that she shouldn't be able to do at the level of experience that she has. There was like a submission that rolled into a pin and then that got switched into a Shapir lock. Uh, Shafir Lock, which by the way is a great name for a move. Shout yes, out to the for, for for calling that Shafir Lock. I love that. Give me that. Um, stretch muffler bomb. I didn't think I'd be seeing that by anybody. What? Just grab him with the legs. Power bomb. All right, cool stuff. And then Tori <laughs> bomb. Some diving senton. And Billy starts with a post match attack. And then, of course, we go into the next segment, which is the 2023 MIT graduation ceremony, which you had something you wanted to say about. So go ahead. I just wanted to get that in there because I want to make sure I give Marina Shafir her flowers because I gave her a lot of shit when we first started watching her. And she has come along so much since then. So uh, as the weeks have gone on, we've been watching this storyline between Billy. uh, Oh, my God. I'm blanking on Athena, I'm blanking on a. Oh my Lexi. god, the interviewers, Lexi. I was like, it's not Layla. It's not Layla. My brain wasn't getting over Layla. Um, but we've had this storyline between the three of them, and we have now we've reached the culmination of it, dude. And a, uh, Ring of Honor put out a fucking three-hour video, <laughs> a three-hour video. I retweeted it on the uh, Eat Sleep Elite if you guys are looking for it, and um, they put out a three-hour breakdown of this, and I was just like. I was watching it, you know, I was skimming through a little bit. I just kind of had it on in the background one day. I was like, man, this is one of the best stories of the year. It is, it, it's been a long time and they, they pushed it. They extended it because of Billy Stark's injury as we, we covered the last ring of honor pay-per-view. So they extended the storyline. And I think the extension worked because I'll tell you what, I care so much about this relationship that these two have now. And, you know, Ian fucking God what I would give to have Ian as the play-by-play instead of certain other people. He sold this so well, dude, when she finally turned and he was, he was like, you, fu- there you go. You just, des- you deserve this. She tried to ruin your big day. Cause she gave Lexi Nair, you know, they, they did a whole graduation thing where Lexi Nair got the valedictorian and everyone in the audience, you know, even though it's not a ring of honor audience, dude, I everyone honest, in the audience dude. still played along. When the ceremony started to end and they weren't giving Billy any credit at all, I started to feel a little bad for her, bro. Yes. Like, Are you serious? She's done so much for this group. Are you kidding me? I, this also makes me care. I think Lexi is awesome. Like, if, if she moves to, you know, when Athena, because, like, they're hopefully going to do with the infantry, I think when Athena's wrapped up with Ring of Honor and she goes to AEW, I hope they bring certain aspects of this character. And I think putting Billy Starks over might be the big thing she does before she moves into ring of honor or AW in 2024. I, I think for the sake of AEW's division too, we need to bring her in because she feels like the biggest star and Bro, Lexi they currently don't bring her on TV. so hard in Chicago. Yes. It was crazy. Have Lexi be there with Athena. You can do that. We've seen people manage for the fucking separate people. You can do this with Lexi. She doesn't have to be just Hook's personal, you know, uh, she felt like Hook's personal interview person for a while. And then they brought her in a collision. And then she was the Rampage one. And it's like, now she's the, she is the Ring of Honor, you know? So it's like, I'm cool with whatever they decide to do. And uh, yeah, I thought this segment really, I don't know. I saw some people saying it, it has NXT vibes and that's fair. 
But I think when NXT kicks ass, it kicks ass. And to me, I, I, this kicked ass. So so be it. If if hopefully people from maybe there are people from NXT that are watching this for the first time being like, oh, that's actually really cool. Like I'm into that. So hopefully this is maybe it'll bring what out I new asked fans. for for months when Ring of Honor was first starting because you had Athena doing all this really good stuff and it just wasn't really getting featured the way it should have been, you know? Yeah. And they completely restructured Ring of Honor to be the Athena show. And I think that was a brilliant move. I think it's probably the only reason why Ring of Honor even still is talked about, you know? Um, because I'll be honest with everybody. There was a time when I asked you straight up, I was like, do I have to cover Ring of Honor this week, bro? It sucked. And you were like, yes. And I was like, <laughs> all right fine <laughs> we were in a discussion i was like i want to drop ring of honor if it's bad again and then thankfully it was really good the next week yeah. so i didn't have to even have that conversation with you but it was one of those things where we were having that conversation because it was just it was not good um but we're not talking about that anymore this is a great episode of ring of honor and it continued to be great um we had a another person who i believe needs to be featured more on ring of honor um and that's dalton castle taking on uh, dark orders evil uno um, who actually had negative one for once, um, which we haven't seen negative one. That God. was cool. No, I don't even know how long. I think the last time was also on Ring of Honor. And obviously the kids in the school, the kids got the family stuff going on. You know, it's the holidays. But uh, I like to see that negative one is still in the back of AEW's mind. You know, uh, if we're still watching AEW in like five, ten years, he'll probably debut and we'll be like, damn, it's really cool that there's now a new exalted one in the Dark Order. Wild, you know. Um, but uh, Uno hit some hard chops in this. Uh, I actually do think the spot where uh, Dalton goes out to the side of the ring and, like, you know, touches his hand on the fan's head and, like, lets them touch him if they want to. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's cool. I think that's one of the small reasons, like, subtle things that he does that, like, really connects with the audience, you know, because people are like, wow, this, like, megastar is, like, you know, like, fondling my face. What the hell is going on here? You know, like, it's cool. You know, like, I don't know. He's just a cool – he's got an aura to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that I believe in all that aura stuff. But, like, he has an aura. He's, like – he almost radiates this energy that you want to be a part of. You know what I mean? Which is like, I, I think that's the it factor we talk about sometimes, you know? Um, and, uh, oh, and Uno wrestled this whole match at his best, which I thought was kind of a little flex by him being like, yeah, I don't need to take this shit off. What the fuck, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm just that good, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I thought they had a really solid match here. Picked up the win with the, uh, the bangerang, you know, uh, Dalton Castle, you know, I think is probably going to be your next Ring of Honor television champion, I would guess um because that's what he was in the spot for in this match correct am i wrong yes or, rival yeah, of the fittest okay. yep i yeah, believe it's so, gonna be a four-way match i think i think there's probably gonna be people in that match that could also win it but i i just think dalton's been so underutilized and they know if they put him on put him on that tv title they can put him on every week and have him defend and it'll just be awesome so i think that's what we'll get and uh hopefully that's the case and we got another um surprise here on ring of honor this week that i wasn't expecting to see which was that uh tk himself showed up and said, not that he doesn't show up on Ring of Honor, but it's been a little while, you know. Um, board of Directors member Tony Khan was backstage. And uh, Billy Starks was like, Tony, I'm pissed. I, I'm over this shit. She's been treating me wrong. I've been doing everything that I can for her. I've been the best possible friend that I could have been to her. And it's never enough. Well, you know what? It's time for me to take what's mine, basically, is what she was saying. Yep. I would like a shot at the pay-per-view, you know. And Tony Khan being the wise man that he is decided to make the match. And you know what? I think that this should main event the show. It's not even a question. You know what I mean? Um, if it doesn't, it's a fucking travesty, you know? Um, because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if the triple crown is going to be on that show. I don't think it will be because I don't think it's going to be decided yet. So, um, Unless they just pull some chicanery and Eddie defends anyway, which I think would be stupid. 
I'll be honest with you, you know, uh, yeah. especially so close to the end of the tournament. You know what I mean? Like that would be weird, especially if you were to like, cause no, anyway, they're just, anyway. So I don't expect that to be on the show. So I hope this main event and, uh, I hope Billy Starks wins the championship. I think that'd be incredible for her career. Um, we had a match for Brandon Cutler. Brandon Cutler. I almost called him Brandon Cabana. That's actually kind of a name. <laughs> um, Brandon Cutler and Colt Cabana, which is, uh, I guess they're rolling with that as a tag team. Um, they took out some jobbers. It's good to see Colt back, you know, because um, we don't really see him much. I- I'm sure this could be a mid-card team. I don't really see it rising to the level of anything serious, you know. Like they're not winning any championships, I don't think. But they could probably be some some guys to lose to some people, I would think, you know. All right. More fun matches. Gringo Loco versus Commander. Man, these two had instant chemistry in the ring, Charlie. The, oh, yeah. Bro, the ability that Commander has to be, like, off balance and, sorry, to balance perfectly off of a springboard hop. So he'll hop from one rope to the next, and then he just has his balance is already set. Like, I don't even know, like, if, if you don't understand why that's ridiculous, even if there's cables, right? That shit doesn't just, like, sit underneath your feet like a flat floor. Have you ever tried to walk on even, like, a thin platform? It doesn't feel right under your feet. Now, make that even thinner, and it doesn't even go underneath your full foot, and you have to balance on, like, essentially the middle of your foot, it looks like what they do. You know what I mean? Like, the dude is, like, I don't even know how he's doing that, and it's crazy. Um, We had a, a really brutal apron power bomb here. Uh, inverted Spanish flies, um, which... They're like, what do we even call that? I'll tell you what you call it. When Loco hits the inverted Spanish fly, you call that shit the Loco motion. Anyway. Um, yes. And because it is a motion. Anyway, um, we had a running shooting star rope walk for the win. Like, Commander's just ridiculous, dude. Like, I don't even understand, like, how he does half the shit that he does. Um, the W here for him. Uh, Survival of the Fittest is going to be a, a, a really fun Eliminator match because uh, I think they say it's going to be an Eliminator. So Eliminator matches to me are some of my favorite because it just adds extra stakes. It's essentially like if you have four people and it, it's essentially like a best of three or best of four. Whoever can survive the most pinfalls, basically, you know, like, yeah, and it becomes really fun, especially if somebody were to like get sneak taken out early or something, but then they like attack people in the match. You know what I mean? And it's four way, so it's kind of legal. Oh, there's so much opportunity there. I love this. Um, any ideas? Like, you think who might be able to be the other two people in this survival of the fittest? Well, um, so it sounds like um, it's going to be this uh, six person thing. Oh, and okay. I was just I was uh, getting my memory. Uh, so we have Kyle Fletcher's in it. Okay. Lee Johnson and Lee Moriarty are three also in it. And I was it made me think I was like, oh, okay. I, I, so we need one more then. Okay. Yes. So I'm sure we'll get that. Is just those names. This is going to be pretty good, you know? Oh, it's going to be, um, it's going to be incredible. It's going you could to have an opportunity incredible. to crown T. Johnson. I didn't even realize that. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I don't think they'll do it because he's just not, you know, I don't know if that's their plan, but hey, whatever. Um, we had Pero Peregroso, Preston Vance, and Dralistico taking on the SAP here. And uh, I guess this must mean because, you know, Luther is obviously off being not Luther anymore. Um, he's being Luther. Um, I'm guessing that means that luther is technically not part of the sap anymore um at least temporarily so sap is just serpentico and angelico or angelico sorry 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 it's fucking angelico i'm gonna correct myself i'm sorry it's almost as if when the announcers don't announce the name correctly for months and months and months on end you just assume they're getting it correct anyway um (laughs) yeah and i i'm a little i'm a little fucking peeved on that because Caprice, I, I'm sorry. I don't know anybody else that reviews Ring of Honor. This had to be a shot at me. You know what I mean? Like, 
And if it wasn't, then anybody else who's out there being like, is it Angelico or Angelico? Like, I don't know anybody else who's that fucking my, got that much minutia about Ring of Honor besides me. I'm not mad at Caprice. He's doing his job. But, you know, he was also doing his job when he was getting it wrong. And then they also never addressed that they had gotten it wrong until just this moment. So, I don't know. Whatever. And they pulled it. It's not Mitch. It's Mitchell. So, now, I'm not going to lie to everyone. After that, I was, like, a little checked because I was like, fuck, dude. I I go off what you say. Thankfully, though, there was nothing left to talk about on this show. So, we'll just speed through it. Um, that's the <laughs> that's truth. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, we had Nyla Rose <laughs> take on Zoe Lynn. Yeah, she's basically beat her up. Beast Bomb win. Butcher and the Blade took on the Iron Savages. I uh, still don't care about the Savages. They dragged the lake on him. Apparently, Ring of Honor doesn't either. Because the team that's never on Ring of Honor came in and beat him, you know? Yeah. Um, and then Brian Cage took on Action Andretti. And, uh, well, I was going to call this a David versus Goliath match, but it was more like a slaughtering of David, you know? Um, and uh, Nana picked up a, the, sorry, Nana distracted him. He had a gory flatliner, picked up the win. And, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, another example of Ring of Honor just tacking on weird matches that I don't think were better than the last match. Yeah, no, the, the show the show didn't need those, and yeah, perfect. Yeah, so you know they don't care, so we don't care. Shout out to right? Caprice, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So okay, let's jump into Dynamite, right? Um, we kick ourselves off with um, John Moxley taking on defeating Jay Lethal in the Continental Classic Gold League. This was your definition of they went back and forth. You know, they were each getting in their shit, if you will. And um, the whole kind of the main focal point of this match was Moxley's leg being, you know, the focal point of the match. And he worked on the leg a lot. And I believe it was Taz brought up, you know, hey, look forward to the other guys. Let's keep an eye on this because I think if people are going to get these numbers on Moxley, who's God, I, I love that Kevin Kelly is always, you know, he's the he's the stats guy now. So he uh, he brought up on collision, you know, the betting odd favorite, John Moxley. It's like, all right, yeah, that's true. But if, if they're going to go after the betting odd favorite, you better target that motherfucking leg. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. I do have one thing to say about Jay Lethal in this tournament that I think needs to be said. And maybe, maybe I'm jumping the shark a little bit here too soon because there's still matches to go, right? Because of him being so tied up in the idea that he was winning his matches based off Slap Not Express's, you know, involvement. And now that he doesn't have that and he's losing every match and doesn't really feel like he's in it for a lot of them in, yep. in your head. I don't know if that's helping or hurting him, man. I don't know. It, it could be having a reverse effect that we don't expect. Like, and, and so it was Danielson on commentary. That's what I thought. It, Danielson really Yeah, I meant to say really that you were right about this. that. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, so he really adds to these, and um, that's a good point, too. We got to keep an eye on that. Um, I don't think anyone in this tournament should be skunked. I think that's a fair thing, and if you're not going to have someone steal a victory here, like, I thought this, I'm going to be completely honest. I thought there was a chance Lethal could have stole this, because it's a prime spot. That Doesn't I, that feel like that would have added more tension to the tournament, too? There is no John one Moxley, in that arena that thought Jay Lethal was beating John Moxley. Yeah, and I think you need upsets in this tournament. Any time. And yes. then all Mark Briscoe's matches are now must-see. Not that they're not anyway, but because you also assume the same thing about him. You know what I mean? Like, in the same way that you think Daniel Garcia could just about beat anybody in this tournament, I need you to feel that way about these other guys, too. You know, that's the whole point of having the guys in there to take those losses, is that when they win, it's supposed to feel huge. And, and maybe Roosh will do it next week against Moxley. So maybe that'll be the way they do it, or this week I should say. So maybe maybe they'll do that, and it's it's a shock. Um, 
Moxley was uh, the way this finish went. Um, lethal, you know, fucking cranking, kicking his leg. He went for the lethal injection, and Moxley folded. Right, but the, he wasn't actually folded. He jumps up, hits out of the lariat, pulling the power driver, sinking in the rear naked choke, and got the submission victory. Really fun finish. Um, we had some post. There was comments. one sequence I wanted to highlight here that was just brilliant. Okay. There was an O'Connor roll. And that was counted into a fucking bulldog choke, which is a brilliant counter always. And then that was counted into the reverse cover where you flip backwards and you're like on the, you know, on the chest or whatever. And then that got f- uh, flipped into a figure four, which I thought was like fucking, I was like, where the hell did Jay Lethal even come up with that from? Like, this is why I like Jay Lethal because he's actually really smart in the ring. Like, go watch any of his Ring of Honor era matches. I remember I used to catch one of those every now and then and be like, guys, why don't we watch Review Ring of Honor? This shit's actually awesome with Jay Lethal on it. And you're like, yeah, you're just watching the Jay Lethal matches. Watch the rest of the show. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. like. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Eddie Kingston was talking about his loss to Brody Kingston. To Brody King. Brody Kingston? Huh. He said, uh, maybe, he got, a, maybe he like got a little a too cocky heading into the tournament. Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. But he's humble in victory and humble in defeat. Danielson's next. So it's time to get healed up. He'll be ready. And Danielson uh, pretty much said one loss for Kingston puts him behind the eight ball. When he broke his orbital bone, he's not coming in humble. He's coming in to win the whole fucking thing. That's what he wanted to say, but it was on TV. So he said he's winning the tournament. <laughs> um, Shivani uh, lets us know where Revolution takes place. You know, that sounded familiar. Now that I think about it, that was on the show. Ah, whatever. That's okay. I covered it in news. Um... Uh, Roosh took on Mark Briscoe, and what a clash of styles! I thought here. Um, I mean, it's still a... news to getting that result, but getting yeah, that announcement, yeah. by the way, just even if it was on the show, you know, whatever. You got your, you got the redneck kung fu versus the uh, the white bull Roosh El Toro Blanco, just uh, clashing styles, slugging it out, massive chops, and you know, this is kind of where the word determination came across my notes a lot and why I want to tie it into the main event because Danielson really let us know, like these guys in this gold league, all six of them, they're fighting so fucking determined and they want this and they know what this can do for their career. And when Roosh is lighting up Mark Briscoe, you know, like a Christmas tree and just beating the crap out of him, his gums flying. Taz is fucking losing his mind. Taz was so much. I think Taz is actually loving this. Just having Danielson there, I think that it it it's doing something to Taz, man. He's he's popping every three seconds. It's like it just it does something to him. Um, but uh, you know, uh, Briscoe hit the froggy bow for the two. Roosh avoided the J driller uh, for the second time. He hit an overhead throw into the ropes and hit the bull's horns for the victory. So. I hope coming out of this, some of these guys that we've been, like, championing, like, Roosh and, you know, various others, like, the ones that don't get used as much. I hope they start to get used more because I think I think they know what they have in Roosh. I think that's why they signed him immediately after that one match. You know, yeah. like, I think uh, – but I also think that, you know, it sucks, too, because of the whole, like, CML, you know, the Mexican wrestling politics. Like, I wish we could get these guys on more shows together. You know what I mean? Like, because the imagine matches that we could have just but you know at the same time when you can use Roosh, he's brilliant and i think uh, th- i think they're teeing them up for lfi to do something because they brought them back with that big I do. Know, epic I, return and now he's in the tournament but once the tournament's over which i i, I don't think Roosh is winning but he could i guess you know um there's a chance uh, a former ring of honor champion of course absolutely you know what i mean um 
But I think if if that doesn't happen, then I think LFI maybe goes after some tag titles and maybe he goes after one of the mid-court singles titles or something like that and maybe wins it. I think I think if Roosh like there's a couple of people like Roosh and a few others that could beat Orange Cassidy right now, and I would be okay with it. You know what I mean? Because um I think that they could the, the title would both elevate them and they could also then further elevate the title because I love Orange Cassidy. Title's in limbo right now though, so I'm still in disbelief of what's happened with that title over the last three months of compared to what it was. It, I, I'm still a little in disbelief of all that. Um, but RJ city luckiest son of a bitch on the planet. I swear he's backstage. He approaches timeless Tony storm, Luther and Mariah may uh, storm was insulted by her acceptance speech being interrupted last week, but still went out and partied at the combine with JFK or one of the Kennedys, but she's exhausted and has a touch of the gout. Um, RJ asked if she's worried that she has to defend her women's title next week. She name jumps. She name drops a bunch of uh, like these old Hollywood stars and said, if they weren't afraid, neither was she. Storm asked RJ if RJ would take her shoes off. And Taz goes, that gout, it's no joke. <laughs> Taz was on one. He was having a good time. Um, that actually, well, that's, that's when Taz is primo when he's, when he's having fun. I think a lot of people think that we make fun of Taz, really that we and other fun. people make fun of Taz for the silly things that he says. That's why we love Taz so much. I love Taz. shit nobody else would say. It's awesome. Like, between Taz and Nigel, they're two way different color commentators, yet I love them for who they are. You know what I mean? Could like, you imagine that team of Nigel and Taz as a duo? <laughs> oh, my God. They'd never be any actual commentary. <laughs> I could listen to those guys. I- I'd listen to their podcast. Fuck it. Um so, okay, MJF time, right? Uh, he's getting down to the ring, talks about his uh, partially torn labrum, brings up the match against Samoa Joe, says he doesn't like him, but as a pro wrestler, he respects him for believing in AEW and not just wanting to line his pockets. He brought up getting poster in the mail growing up from TNA, and one person that stood out from the company, Samoa, Samoa Submission Machine, goes on to talk about him uh, not being awarded the opportunity to become WWE World Champion. But provided you don't have to be a bodybuilder to be champion. Joe Bro, I love the way. baby face MJF is just like the biggest fan of everybody in wrestling. He really which is. is true, probably. Let's be honest. Like, you know, like it does a great so job funny. selling them to the audience, though. When you're no, not it's sitting great. there it's, burying it's, the guy you face. I was about to yeah. say that. It literally does two things. It makes him get more over to the crowd because we're like, hey, I feel the same way about Samoa Joe. I remember those days. But it also it like you said, it puts them over, which people don't do enough in wrestling, man. Like, I hate that so much. How many fucking feuds do we have? And both AEW and WB, where they're like, and, and you're actually a terrible wrestler, and I'm going to beat you up. And it's like, well, who are you beating then? Like, no, build up the guy. Make him seem like a threat. So, you, know what, who, you know who did that brilliantly recently? Hangman Page and fucking Swerve. Both of them yep. were putting each other over as great wrestlers, and but they still had their issues with each other. You can do that. Take notes, kids. And, um, you know... He uh he's helping he's hoping to build AEW brick by brick since day one, and he ran down all his victories. And the one he was lucky to survive was against Joe. December thirtieth isn't about Joe's legacy; it's about his own. Can MJF survive his final boss one final time? MJF promises everyone doesn't care what happens to his body; he will show the world it's not about the size of the dog in the fight; it's about the size of the fight in the dog. And yeah, the dog. Um. MJF breaks his cane, the lights go out, and they start flickering. Four masked men appear. One's holding a bat before Joe appeared and made the save. Screen goes black, and the words, in the shadows, our game begins. 
next week, MGF and Smojo, will you face the unknown in a tag match? Are you a hero, Max? Joe wanted MGF to not, to not to accept the match because he wants MGF healthy for World's End. But MGF said he's sick of the Scooby-Doo bullshit. He'll take out every single one of them. MGF accepts the match, which pisses Samoa Joe off. Wait, the Scooby-Doo bullshit. Freddie Prince Jr. is the devil confirmed. God damn it. Do you imagine? I mean, actually, you could probably work a storyline with that. He'd just have to be a manager. You know what I mean? I don't think he can actually wrestle. I mean, I'm sure he could take some bombs. You know what I mean? But... I mean, he does have interest in wrestling. I don't think he's interested in working in AEW, though, to be honest, or anyone. He doesn't want to be Kane, apparently. So, people are trying to figure out who the hell are these masked men. Man, um, how come you know they fu- you uh, sidebar? You know they totally went to him for Ahsoka. You know they did for like a back, like a background scene or like a flashback. You know they did, and he was just like, nah. And that's sad because come on, man, give me, give me what I want. Give me what I want. People online have been trying to nail down who was in the Mass Men. Um, the most common consensus I've seen is, you know, using side by sides, and they're trying to figure out who it was. And it seems people are pretty confident that the three men holding MJF were Mike Bennett, Matt David, and, and Roddy. They were the I, ones holding say, MJF. That's who I said this was from the fucking goddamn. Now, who was the big guy? It seems that they want us to believe it's Wardlow. Yeah, his um, hair was all messed up. That's what I heard. His hair was, was all messed up. Now, uh, Wardlow leading that group sounds pretty interesting, but yet that wasn't the devil. So who the hell's the devil? Is it just going to be Adam Cole? Was this whole thing just to, to wait till Adam Cole got you know uninjured? Who knows? Is it Jack? Who knows? You know, I mean, so, if it is, and I and I, I've, I will also maintain that I think I, I think that was my initial idea was that I just think it made too much sense for it to not be Adam Cole. Yeah. But then he was so off for so long and not being used that I was like, there was two. I was of two minds about it, Charlie. The first mind was, well, okay, maybe that plays into it more because then you don't really because then he's not there, so you could then retroactively be like, oh, he wasn't there for all that. There's also the uh, he clicked something in his pocket right a, a week or two ago yep. when the lights went out. That could have just been, you know, intentionally done by him just to make, you know, sell it a little bit more that it might be him. Um, so people don't actually know. The other mind that I was about it was that that man, he probably wasn't it because if he's off TV this much, you think they'd at least feature him as part of the segments if he was going to be, you know, mm-hmm. and clearly he was having to heal and stuff like that. So that being said, if it does turn out to be Adam Cole, there is a built in story already there that you don't even have to tell. And it is actually kind of a brilliant move by AW if that's what their plan was. They had Max defended in solos and they built up this idea of him getting, you know, torn apart by it. It just makes Adam look more brilliant in retrospect for all the things that he did. And then, especially if he then waltzes in and wins the title off of like a beat down MJF, then it's just like, holy shit, you've built up MJF as this fucking super megastar. And at the same time, you've made Adam Cole this like insane, dastardly devil of the heel, you know what I mean? And he flipped everything. That would be, it would be crazy. So yeah, not, not to completely bulldoze the segment here, but I just, I was thinking about that and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's possible. It's anybody. And that's what's, yeah, no, it, it's know? definitely possible. Are those guys just standing in? Cause they weren't working the night. Who knows? Uh, I, as far as I've seen, there, there isn't concrete evidence that it was them. And, you know, we've had fake Other than the before. hair thing, which I think is a little bit of a fucking... If that's really... If he really was in one of those things, even if he's not part of the group, th- they gotta fix his hair, right? Like, 
But is that also a sign where it's like, are they trying to purposely do that? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I, I don't. I feel like they're going a- a- all out. AW doesn't this. do storytelling, though. Remember that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we'll see why. Uh, when Jack Perry recruited the kingdom, you know, we'll have to figure out, you know, retroactively when that happened. See, that's what uh, I. That's my only argument is that it's harder to tell some of these stories than others backward. But then again, wrestling doesn't always work like that anyway. So. They can always come up with a reason. Oh, they were Luke Perry fans. They felt bad for him that, you know, Hook, yeah, yeah, whatever happened with Hook. And, uh, you know, he paid him off. Remember, MGF, it looked like was going to be the leader of the firm, and they fucking abolished that in one night. So Look, maybe the devil the literally changed people. wrestling. There was um, Uncle Howdy and his crew that they were all planned out, and two of them are in AW now. So, you know what I mean? Like, yep. It, it, it can change. You know what I mean? It, things can change, especially these uh, mystery spots. J.J. Uh, Abrams calls it like a, a mystery box, I think, or something like that in his movies, you know? Um, they they can hit or miss, you know? Um, it really depends. We covered a lot of them in the, in the WWE days because they love that shit in WWE, you know? Yeah. So up next, we had uh, Wardlow taking on AR Fox. And while I was looking forward to this match, unfortunately, the match was not looking forward to me because it was over in an instant. It felt like, come on, man. AR Fox and this man could have a great no, match. No, like, to What's be fair, to be fair. Nah, they're building up Wardlow as a, as a beast right now. They can't do This that was now. the most offense anyone had gotten on Wardlow in months. So, it, okay. w- objectively, we'll That's put that fair, out there. actually. We'll yeah. put that out there. Objectively, AR Fox. If it had been Dante did, Martin, it would have been over in two minutes, probably. So, that's yeah, fair, and, you know. And like, AR Fox did put up a good fight. But it just, you know, whether it was the feed messing up for the whole devil thing or we're just waiting to see where, what, what happens next. This was just didn't get much time and everyone was talking about the hair and this and that, but yeah, uh, no, it, it was, it was what it was. That, that's the best way I can put it. Um, Excalibur's talking about Dante Martin. Again, I'm really glad they're bringing it across what feels like all shows. Dante Martin's back. One of our pillars is back. The East sleep elite pillars. That is, you could say our strong, our foundation is now strengthened again. This is the way. Um, and they showed the spot from the ladder match. Fucking brutal, man. I fucking Holy I remember we watching that shit, bro. We were so sad for Dante because we knew he was fucked. Like, oh. and and when I saw this, I was actually shocked. I we have basically our entire life they've treated wrestling injuries as taboo. They didn't fucking do it here, man. They showed what injured him. It shows how is, real this shit can get. This you know is what, I mean? what he's returning from. This is the guy you're about to cheer. And it fucking worked. It can I worked. say, by the way, horrific injury. The man did not miss a step. He was just as springy and floaty as he had ever been. I don't know how you fucking do that. Shout out you're, to the doctors that repaired his ankle or whatever was actually. He's an absolute freak of nature. What and, the hell? Um, I mean, he's young. He's still got that bounce back. But God damn, Dante, chill. This was a really fun uh, – the match, of course, being the new top flight, I'm going to call it. Action Andretti and top flight taking on the Hardys and Brothers A. So we have the Hardys here putting over, you know, three very young talents, up-and-coming talents that have bright careers in the in this industry. You know, I can see these guys – I can see these guys being stars in AEW. I can see them being stars in WWE. I can see them being stars in Japan. Wherever their star, you know, I'm, what I'm about to say is William Hill, shines the brightest is to be determined. But – I, I think all the three of these guys have a bright future, and you know, shout out the Hardys for putting them over. And maybe this is more stuff and that Matt Hardy's wanting to do. 
and and to fulfill on my gimmick that I always love to take credit for everything that happens in AEW that I suggested before it happened. Um, I, this was something <laughs> back in the Ring of Honor days when when Dante first got hurt and they were using Darius there. I was like, and they tagged them together once, and I was like, bro, let's see how this tag team goes. And after a few weeks, I was like, you know what? Leave them together. This is your new top flight trio because. We, we've been trying to book a trio for top flight. There was uh, Matt Seidel was going to be it for a while. And then uh, Leo came in and then there was talk about AR Fox. None of them really landed for, for uh, AEW, obviously. I'm so glad this one did because you got three super young, super talented, high flying stars that have similar styles. And we already know how good Darius and Dante are as a tag team. But now you also have the added, you could throw Dante in there and have action tag with them. You could, we've already seen what Darius and Action can do together, and they have a lot of chemistry as a tag team, too. So I think if, if this is your new top flight trio, sky's the limit. Not to use a line that sounds a little corny because they all high fly, but it really is, you know? Like, yeah. No, well put, well put. Um, uh, Zayn is, uh, ends up getting hit with a shotgun dropkick, a snap German, and sliding slam, and Dante got the pin. Renee Paquette was backstage with them, congratulates them on their victory, asked Dante how his leg was feeling. Before he could answer, Penta, the one uh, the the one that they highlighted from the match before, he hurt his ankle against, walks in and fist bumps Dante with Commander and Vakingo soon to follow. Oh my god. Bro, that match is going to be fucking insane. This is fucking Talk awesome. about th- going out of the frying pan into the fire, bro. Just Bro just got back from breaking his ankle, and he's about to go up against like, maybe the three, like if you didn't have Ray Phoenix as a, as a possible fourth in this, right? It, maybe the three best luchadors in AEW, you know what I mean? Like, really, like it's crazy. Really like, special stuff. Yeah. We have a house rules match where Julia Hart is defending against Emi Sakura. Nice to see her a couple times this week. And this is, you know, we're in Hart's hometown. There's a lot of chance for the champion. And really early on, Emmy's, you know, firing off her strong chops. Julia's blocking chops. She's slamming her to the outside. You know, there's reversals. There's this. There's that. There's, And um, they just kind of start hitting a couple big moves on each other here and there. You know, like a top rope moonsault, uh, a top rope moonsault um, the Heartless. And at one point, Emmy tapped. But because of the house rules, submissions don't apply. So Hart connects with a lariat to the back, uh, followed by a top rope moonsault. And Sakura, you know, that, that's where she got the victory. Uh, that's where uh, Julia Hart got the victory. And um, it they kind of shot up to where it looked like Emmy Sakura kind of kicked out, like as soon as it hit three. So, yeah, it was cool. Um, this was this was very, very, very fast-paced match. But uh, still got their time to fit that commercial in between there. So we have... RJ City, backstage with Mariah May again, who said she's hungry for more after coming off such a run in stardom. She thanks RJ for connecting her with Tony Storm, and RJ said they used to play squash together. Uh, Mariah said that RJ is quite the curator of people, and she starts hitting on him. And uh, <laughs> told May, go get him. And uh, she knocks and went into Tony Khan's office. Shivani wonders if she's interrupting a meeting. And... Um, <laughs> Again, that popped the other commentators. Like these guys are just having a good time up there. <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty funny. I won't even lie. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking we're gonna see Mariah probably this upcoming Dynamite or Rampage. So. Yeah, I hope so. Give her give her like a semi decent opponent that can have a good match with her. You know what? Ruby Soho. There you go. Yeah, Ruby Soho can lose right now. She's kind of in that storyline where that would make sense. You know what I mean? I'd be down with that. 
I'm, you know, my guess, Kira Hogan. I feel like Kira Hogan kind of yeah, they've been building the spot to uh, yeah. Kira Hogan. I was a, no, what she does so well is knows how to make other people look really good, yep. and that's one of the best 100%. things you could probably ask for as a wrestling opponent, right? Yep. Okay, I'm not gonna go beat for beat on this one, but Christian Cage is out. Uh, he's he accepts Adam Cole's challenge. A uh, long story short, he calls him out to the ring. He he tries to pull the necessary evil and say, "Look, man, I remember all those times." It's like when you lost your father, Ugh. father of the year. You know we should we should do this thing the right way. We we don't need any of that. And he he's basically trying to sell him sell him you know sell him some bad land. And uh, Copeland kicks him in the nuts, and they set up their match for next week. I thought again, they did a really good job progressing the story. There's people that are watching the show that don't know the history of Edge and Christian other than that they were a tag team. I think stuff like this helps display why this feud hits so much harder for certain people. Yeah, no, dude. For me, like this watching this segment, bro, there's just so much emotion. Like it's it feels like a really, really intense story to me, you know, like agreed. And they're setting it up for the main event next week. I am so excited for that tomorrow. I am so fucking excited and those of you guys that listened to our show before Dynamite, I'm yeah, hey man, I bet you're fucking excited for tonight. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Um, but that I was it for Dynamite. Couple new champ, new champ, new champ. I already covered the uh, main event. I'm gonna be brutally honest about Rampage, guys. Oh, I shit. saw. I was sitting, not even sitting. I was walking around Sam's Club, and I checked my phone. And you saw the card. I saw what the Rampage card was, Oof. and I messaged you I, I immediately thought of you and i was like what the fuck are we doing <laughs> we have had like like we we've we've kept it a buck like rampage has been good right this is i mean it's rampage not been bad is, at least for a while rampage is the c show and it feels like the c show yeah yet they've paid attention to it and they've they've done some fun stuff that makes you look forward to it i looked at this and i remember messaging you i'm like it's there's not even a tag match. It's all multi man matches, like three Literally, and above. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Does that make you want to tune in?" Not me. So uh, yeah, it's it's like yeah. Okay. Yeah, that being said, we're still gonna then. we're still gonna go through it. Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Dan Housen, and Trent Beretta defeated Evil Uno, Alex Reynolds, Matt Menard, and Angelo Parker. Babyface has got the dub. Dan Housen, you know, they did a little fun stuff for his return. I like to see uh, I like to see him and Hook back again. That was a fun team that they dropped, and uh, I always thought they had good good chemistry together. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dan Housen won by rolling up Menard. Renee Paquette interviewed the women in the trios match tonight. Soraya is thrilled to be teaming with Anna J again. She's still annoyed with her other partner Ruby Soho. Parker runs in to let the women know he'll be in their corner later, but Anna J like I want nothing to do with you. Uh, Tony Schiavone brings out Sting and Flair. They're just glazing each other up. Is there anything more to add? Is there anything more to add? What what was this? Just a fuck. This was a suck. This was a suck off. So this was a Johnson swinging. Is this context, the segment maybe? that they had to cut around that Ric Flair said some embarrassing shit in or something? And he went on like a rant on Twitter, like I'll leave the company if I'm embarrassing you, dude. What? The, what? Uh, 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 like what? Uh, uh, I don't know. Like is is, is anyone in their right mind think Tony Khan's gonna be like, yeah, leave? Like no. <laughs> but, like. Like people, there's some. There's, Tony Khan's got them dollar signs in his. The only eyes, thing you know that I mean? like, like actually happens at AEW that sucks frequently is all this unnecessary fucking drama. 
And like, we didn't even uh, talk about the Britt Baker stuff on Dynamite, but that was also fucking ridiculous. She's like, I, I hope it's a character thing, but it, something's telling me it's not. And we're not going to dive into all that. There's a lot of places that will, and they'll bury everyone. But like, like, uh, just no, let's, let's stop with this unnecessary shit, man. I do Fuck. think Brick gets a lot of unnecessary hate because she's been pushed a lot when there wasn't a lot of other talent to push, you know, like, but I think it's also like you do what you was best for business. Like if, if that's what Tony Khan thinks is best for business, that's what he's going to do. So, you know, yeah, I think it's I'm, better I'm now sure than it was. I'm sure she's going to get her match with Mariah May and she'll, she'll get her matches then she'll get title shots. And like, yeah, it, it'll, she is like the top dog of the women's division still. Uh, to me, it still feels like it. I don't know. No, yeah, Even with her on the periphery. Yeah. hundred like, percent. It still you know feels mean? like it. So I don't know. Maybe that's just my perception of her. Um, And like, maybe that's just our perception, right? Uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Kanosuke, Takesha, and Kyle Fleach. Kyle Fleacher? Kyle Fletcher Fletcher. defeat three guys. They literally didn't say their names. No. Not Has this ever happened? They didn't have time. They just were I have like, no, nah, we don't, don't want to fucking be a part of this match. Get us out of here. That's what they did, basically. So, yeah. Um, I'm sure if we did a deep dive on, like, cage match, these guys will probably be talking about, hey, I wrestled on Rampage. Which, hey, you know what? Fucking good on you. Um, after the match, Kyle took the mic, promised to continue dominating AW, AW until Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho have nowhere have nowhere to be i guess so uh, it's uh, don Callis family huh we talked about this last week it ain't hitting like it was uh um, no. so it almost feels like it's hurting to and i if i'm if i'm someone i'm pulling the plug before it gets too late i don't oh, want yeah, you the, don't want to waste to cash baby face to was so over this to yes. is not so no. especially because he doesn't come out to actual music. I think I think everything with the Don Callis family that was initially good to get heat is now just working against them in a lot of ways, you know? So the next segment is something I always ask for, and I really like that they did here. Prince Nana, they they showed it. Prince Nana hired JD Drake and Anthony Henry to team with Brian Cage tonight. He paid them off to do the job tonight. Dude, how simple is it? How simple is it? This makes like I just like when shows make sense, right? You know, if we're watching a TV show and all of a sudden we see four guys never, you know, work together, fucking, you know, doing the thing together. It's like, I want to see it. Yeah, there better be see- a flashback where we see what happened. They, because otherwise they, I'm these, confused as fuck. Like, you know, like, how did A and B join C all of a sudden when they've never interacted? Well, now we know because fucking D paid A and B to join C. It's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Give you a perfect example because Black Panther for all intents and purposes is in, you know, he's in Civil War, but the entirety of Wakanda is not in Civil War and it's barely mentioned. So, you know, like, well, I guess it's not barely mentioned, but it's just not a main focal point. But they go to Wakanda and Black Panther. So what do they do in Infinity War? They have Captain America go to Wakanda and meet them and be like, oh yeah, the Avengers and Wakandans are now a team. They, they, they show you that scene anyway. Yeah, little things. Um, so we have the Chris Statlander, Hikaru Shida, and Sky Blue take on a defeat. Soraya, Ruby Soho, and Anna Jay. Again, I think the main thing here was, you know, we're, we're moving forward with the Soraya, with the Ruby Soho storyline. And Sky Blue is picking up victories. Anyone associated with her is picking up fucking dubs. So, good for her. Good for her. Yeah, 100%. We get a recap of round two. Uh, the trio that was teased on Dynamite ends up having a match in the main event. Penta, uh, Vikingo, and Commander defeat J.D. Drake, Anthony Henry, and Brian Cage. Wow. This is uh, 
this is one of those matches that, you know, on paper, I'm always, this is, how do I want to say this? If you're going to an independent wrestling show, right? Let's just stick this in a vacuum here. And you see this match on paper. You see this match on paper. You're like, oh, this is going to be a blast. You're like, dude, holy shit. Let's fucking go. Exactly. And guess what they did here? They actually let Anthony Henry and JD Drake sit in the ring for a little bit of time. This wasn't a four minute just. Uh, you guys, you know, we're going to let Henry kick Vikingo in the chest and then he's going to fucking, you know, eat the rest of the time. They didn't do that. They actually, they went out there, they had a match. Holy shit, that Lucha Trio is insane. Uh, yeah. They are showcased. And I think Rampage, you know. I, I want to see them when Ray Phoenix, because Ray Phoenix is hurt right now, right? When Ray Phoenix comes back, I need to see an eight-man with them in the Bullet Club gold. When Deuce has to come back, too, shit. Well, when that can happen again, give me that eight-man with Ray Phoenix as part of this group. And against that, can you imagine? The, we saw the trios matches and the, 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 the tag matches that we're having. Like, can you imagine, dude, what they could do with an eight-man tag like that? As like the yeah. main event of Collision or something? That'd be incredible. And to be completely fair to what I said at the beginning before I started Rampage, I like when Rampage takes on the identity of a Lucha show or it takes on the identity of we have the women main event and it, it makes Rampage feel different. And they did that here. So I will give them credit for that because this was a fun main event. This was actually fun. Um, that being said, if this was on an independent show, it would have been like 26 minutes and there would have been 18,000 fucking awesome things. Cause I can tell you right now, Brian Cage works so well with Luchadors. He really, really does. Um, but uh, our finish uh, pretty much ended with a miscommunication where Cage uh, cracked Henry the clothesline. He leaves the match. Penta hits the fear factor on Henry. Commander hits a shooting star press. And then Vikingo hits a 630 senton. <laughs> I imagine like a video game. <laughs> it's like, stop it. He's already dead. Like this is the fucking red bar. It's just there's no going lower, dude. He's done. He's done. You can pin him for 30 seconds. He's not moving. Um, but yeah. Uh, during I mean, the main event, because Vikingo is basically a video game character in real life, so you know. <laughs> so uh, similar to what you were saying on for uh, your main event during this Rampage main event, they announced for Dynamite next week: Moxley versus Roosh, Strickland versus Briscoe, and Jay versus Jay. So, Battle of Jays, the Battle of the Jay. Winner, we need uh, Christian Cage on commentary. <laughs> winner becomes J squared. Okay. <laughs> Winner gets to keep the name Jay. No, anyway. Winner, um, winner doesn't lose their identity. All right. Keep Vince McMahon um, away from the match. <laughs> um, okay, that being said, it is time for some collision. And you get to take the show home today. So, yes. uh, I think to no one's surprise, we open up. We, uh, we're backstage again, right? Cold opens. Yep, we got some cold open here uh, for collision for 24. We had Brody King, Claudio, Andrade, and uh, CJ. And uh, we had Garcia as well, as well as Brian Danielson. So we got everybody in there that's going to be in the in the tournament matches, which makes a lot of sense. And we got a nice little epic tournament standings rundown, um, which I don't know why they're not doing this on, on both shows. This, this feels more like the G1, you know what I mean? Because um, G1 usually starts in a similar manner, you know what I mean? I like um, it being it just feels right having Kevin Kelly come doing commentary over these matches, man. It really does, you know, like because he's got that connection to the G1 and all that, you know. So, um, and we jump straight into it with another just monster fest of Brody King taking on Claudio Castagnoli and the Continental Classic. And they were just beating the shit out of each other, they were hitting each other so hard. Um, and I'm going to say something I think is not actually untrue. I think Brody King might be the most protected big man in AEW at this point. Um, he's very, very close. protected. 
Wardlow is up there, and maybe Hobbs is starting to get there too. But I, he, I, I always feel like he's a threat to everybody in every match that he's in, no matter what. When they tag him in in, in trios matches or tag matches, I'm like, oh, House of Black might win this. You know what I mean? Just based on Brody, you know, like so. Like, and not even in a kayfabe way. He's just he's usually like when they use him and he gets long spots in matches, it's usually an indication that they're going to win. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. And they treated him like a true monster here, you know? Um, and Claudio was then forced to try and become a monster hunter then because of that, which, you know, Claudio is a big, strong man, but it, it wasn't enough. You know what I mean? Um, big, strong boy. Uh, yeah, they let them both loose here, and it wasn't the best way, and they were just, like, doing everything. There was a super large swing, and Brody King is being booked so well in this tournament so far. When somebody finally knocks him off, it's going to be so massive. I hope it's Daniel Garcia. That'd be fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't think that'll happen, but you never know, you know? Um, Upsets. Upsets. It'd be, be pretty awesome. Um, and, yeah, so I just want to get your thoughts on this match, Charlie, because I really enjoyed this one, and... I, Claudio Castagnoli continuing to be one of the most underrated and and so fucking great wrestlers. He's going to be like, I think when we look back at some of the highlights from this tournament, he's going to be all over them. So just give me your thoughts. Battle of the bigs. You know, it it feels like with Brody King, he's being positioned as I keep saying it today, but he's being positioned as the final boss of this blue league. And now he's beat Eddie Kingston. He's beat the ring of honor champion. He's beat the former ring of honor champion in Claudio. Who, who the hell could possibly take this guy down? And I think that's one of the stories. His match with Danielson, dude. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one. Um, Just really great stuff from the opening match on uh, Collision this week. And we followed it up with even more great action, Charlie, because Avedon took on Kiera Hogan. And we've been talking about Kiera Hogan. She's been kind of on this little like, kind of quiet run in the background. Started on Ring of Honor. Now it's starting to leak into the AEW shows a little bit, you know? And uh, we got Abaddon here, also finally being used. And I like that they treat Abaddon's face paint as not just like, you know, it's not just like an expression artistically or it's an intimidation tactic. She's using psychological warfare with that paint. You know what I mean? And it works on people. Everybody kind of gets inside out of it. Like, I don't know. It's so weird. Uh, you know, like, and I, I you know, it sucks for her because she's kind of actually like a really sad story because they were like kind of like teeing her up to be like the next unbeatable wrestler on AEW Dark. You remember this because we covered it for months, yep. you know? she was being treated like this unstoppable force and then dark died and then she got hurt because they were still going to use her. It seemed like on TV, like right after dark died, she was just straight on the TV pretty much. You know what I mean? So, and then she got hurt. And so that's really, she's had a couple of sets back. Sorry, a couple of setbacks. Um, uh, but she, you know, ends up, uh, I believe, uh, picking up the win here. If I, if I have my notes correctly. Um, and then we had the lights go out. And Julia Hart is staring down Abaddon. So it looks like that's going to be Julia's next opponent. Uh, it's going to be Abaddon, which I think is obviously a great choice. You know, you have the little bit of like sort of similar to it, but obviously it's a very different kind of thing, you know? Um, and I, I've mentioned before, I think it would be cool if somehow Abaddon like had some sort of special immunity to all this stuff. You know what I mean? Because uh, of being also a spooky wrestler. You know what I mean? That'd be kind of cool. You know, I don't know. Um, but uh, what do you think about Abaddon getting a TBS championship opportunity and just your thoughts on this match with Kier Hogan as well? I, I'm down with it. Um, I, there's, a, there's a part of me that's, that's slightly concerned that Julia's just bouncing from match to match. I don't think we need her to do that. I was really hoping they wouldn't do that with her, but at the same time, she's getting reps. So kind of a catch 22 there so you can kind of see where i'm like uh 
you can see where I'm torn. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know I, if I would have had her lose here, but at the same time, you know what I mean. Like, it, if you want to build Abaddon up as the next opponent, I guess uh, for whatever you know. Yeah, I think I, I think they can have a fun match, and you can clash their styles. And uh, dude, I mean, if Abaddon is that that the way she does her her paint, it, it's incredible. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I just I, I love Kier Hogan. I really do. Yeah, she's really good. She is. She's like the rock of the fucking division. Like she, like she is the core of this division. Not the oh. rock, the wrestler, but you know what I mean. Like she's yeah, the I, core I of it. Mean, yeah. And I feel like she. I don't know. I just I really enjoy her. I enjoy her getting this TV time too. Yep, hundred percent. Um, we had Samoa Joe uh, backstage getting interrupted by Roderick Strong, and uh, Joe had absolutely not a word to say to Roderick. He just walked away. He's like, nah. Give him a little. And then said, all right, I'm out, basically, you know? So, yeah, there you go. Um, I, I Really not much you could say about that. All right. Um, other than, I guess, you know, Roddy's still trying to sell people that he's not the devil, which th- the more that he does that, the more I'm like, is he, though? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Way. Oh, we had a Sting and Ric Flair video package here. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, they're just being like, yeah, Sting and Ric Flair, you know? Yeah, I, I'm surprised that um, that we're not seeing them as much. Like, I was really expecting it to be kind of like the unsufferable when they bring in legends like this in other companies, and it kind of like every single week, every show, you get a little segment. I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it's going to be a lot more of these video packages, probably because it's harder for, you know, Ric Flair to get around all these towns, I'm guessing, in his age, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, either way. We had a really great match between Daniel Garcia and Andrade El Idolo <laughs> in the Continental Classic. Um, so, oh, something I, I fucking forgot to mention. There was a, a call out by somebody at some point about a, 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 the pervert cameraman at some point. And they, they they kept making fun of this throughout like the next show. So I thought that was pretty funny. So shout outs. We actually got a name for the cameraman. Also, I forgot where I marked it down, but it was Jamie. So shout outs to Jamie for uh, always doing the Lord's work. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So I like actually really love the way Danny, uh, I keep calling him Danny, Daniel Garcia targets leg on this match. Like I think Andrade um, did a really good job of selling that. Like, you know, I think there was just like a weird bump. Again, it's this funny little moments in wrestling. It may have been planned. It may have been not, but it's like a weird little bump he took on his leg. It's like, all right, now we're attacking the leg. You know what I mean? And it makes sense given that he uses a sharpshooter as his finisher. So, yep. anyway, I also loved Andrade going to the ringside, grabbing a little sip of woo energy. I thought that was pretty funny. You know what I mean? Woo! I'm sure that was fun to wrestle with in your in your system, you know. Um, and it probably just gave him a little boost, you know what I mean? Um, when you're in that good of shape, I can't imagine that has that negative effect on you. But maybe it does. I don't know. He definitely did not like the taste. You could tell. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could tell he had not had one before. He was not expecting the flavor. You know what I mean? What but either way, you know, I got a little plug in for his for his father-in-law there, you know, love a little stuff like that. Uh, just punishing the leg. Every match in this tournament has been hard hitting. That's something I mentioned earlier. And oh my God, the, so he blocks the first of the three amigos, but then Andrade hits a superplex because he wants to make sure he's going to hit him. Oh, just good stuff. That's fire. You know what I mean? Like, um, I also like the sudden counter to the pile driver uh, into the like uh, hammerlock DDT. That's a nice little transition that he did there. And Andrade picks up a huge win here. Daniel Garcia in the hole, Charlie. Does the Daniel Garcia redemption arc begin here? We're seeing a we're seeing something develop, and it's something I'm noticing week by week. There is a part of Daniel Garcia 
and this is the story they're telling out. And I, I think we're going to see it come to come to light during the his match against Danielson. I do think he's going to beat Danielson in this tournament, and I think it's going to be because of this. Daniel Garcia could have won that match. He could have won it. He reversed that figure eight. He locks in the Dragon Tamer. He he. That's the match. He wins it. But he's in his head. He's in his own head. So what is he's he thinking? To I got to hit Andrade with this pile driver if but I want to finish him here. You know. And it's all because Danielson did not tap to that Dragon Tamer, and he fucking reversed it. So now it's it's like this story that we're seeing play out from fucking forever ago. And I went back and looked at the last match. He could have done it there as well. Oh, my. I didn't even catch it last week. He could have won with the Dragon Tamer, but he didn't. Oh he got in his own God. head. He tries the pile driver. Of course it fails. You're not meant to hit a pile driver on Andrade. You see the size of him? Nope. He reverses it. Hammerlock DDT. Your face just hit the fucking mat. You're out. Oh. Oh, I love Daniel Garcia does not trust himself. No. And the moment he does, holy sh- I hope that they play this out. I might just be seeing shit, man. Like, don't, don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm, I'm I feel like they're trying this. to tell There's us this There's going to be a moment next week in the match that he has, and he's going to have the crowd. He's going to look up. He's going to do that, you know, that little look he does to, like, slight to the side, to, his, to the right side, where he's looking up at the crowd. He's kind of looking up at the ceiling, and the crowd usually gives him a good reaction to that when he looks at them. And I think what's going to happen, he's going he's gonna to do that, and the chants are going to start. You're a wrestler. You know? And... <laughs> They're gonna they're gonna chop. They're gonna do that, and then the person's gonna come up, and they're gonna set up like a big wide, you know, for a chop, and then he's gonna block it with his hand, and he's gonna go into like sicko mode. You know what I mean? Like, and it's gonna be insane. I he's gonna think... become the new. He's gonna become the modern incarnation. Not that he's not still alive, of like a Zack Saber Junior. You know what I mean? He's just gonna go insane. That <laughs> they're telling this story, and when we see him finally get the confidence to lock this thing back in and he taps someone out dude i am with you i think the chains are going to be off i really do and i i hope they save it till the danielson match now we know he's not facing danielson next week right that was announced he is he doesn't have a match next week okay so maybe his next match will be danielson well technically right he's facing elimination along with a couple of other people right because if you don't win out of the first three matches you, you're toast right so yeah, at that point you can just you can be an upset to other people. Oh my god, imagine if yeah. he loses the first four and then his final match is Danielson and he beats Danielson to keep Danielson from making the finals, and that's when he hits Dude, could you imagine? Yeah. I I think that might be something along the lines. I I just I don't know. This it stuck out to me this week, and I I'm not kidding you. I literally went back to my recording from last week and watched his match. I was like, wait a minute. Of course that's it. Of course that's it. Um, but yeah, hey, they don't tell any stories. So, uh, yeah, yeah no storytelling in AEW. That yeah. was a uh, great. This, so I'm glad you I'm glad you highlighted that because I have not been noticing that, and that is some good shit. So right now, there. so now when we see him next, it's going to be in your head. You're going to be thinking, oh yeah, okay, gonna, is he oh, actually going to lock uh, this thing in? I'm a Garcia he gonna trooper try, now. I mean, I is he going to try and one up it again? That he, let's see. We got to we got to see. Okay. All right. Dude, uh, and we got some more epic tournament video packages here. Extremely, by the way, shout-outs to the guy who does the fucking editing on the video packages. I, they should say who that is. All right. 
anyone, if any of any AEW talent or or personnel that are involved in the media scrums that uh, will be at the next one, at, shout out the guy who does the video package editing in one of the scrums. Like some, you know, if you're a person that asks, ask the question. If you're a per, if you're a real journalist, ask the question of who does it because they deserve a lot of fucking credit. Because how many of these stories would not be able to be like stand on any legs at all, Charlie? If they didn't yeah. have these video packages to tie them together, you know, and it's just so well done. I feel like fucking movie trailers sometimes, man, you know, like that they do. They really do. Um, Wardlow has been annihilated, obviously annihilated IR Fox and uh, Willie Mack, who has been his tag team partner of uh, AR Fox in the Indies for uh, some significant amount of time, you know, not happy about that. So I guess we're going to be getting Willie Mack versus Wardlow sucks for Willie Mack because he's probably not. Gonna- Hopefully I- they let them cook. I hope so. Please. Too, it'd probably be like. It, it, they'll let them cook, but it won't be like we want them to cook because they could have See, a twenty-five minute fucking slugfest. But they're I not going to. I hope the audience. It'll be like ten I minutes. Hope, so I bet. I hope they remember that the audience loved that match Willie Mack had with fucking Brian Cage. Oh yeah, he was over. Don't forget about that. You can replicate that. And I made a joke earlier this week. Uh, Warlow style reminds me of Brian Cage. That's who I see in him at times. I was thinking maybe they train. Maybe he learns from him, and I wouldn't blame him for it. Cage is really good at that. So I just I think there's a really unlimited potential here with this match that could do wonders for both guys. And if you just want to beat have him beat a big man in 30 seconds, don't do it to Willie Mack. See, the problem is, and this is my this is my issue, Charlie, is that while I agree with you, if Wardlow is involved in this devil shit, he's not losing right now in any way. So, no, yeah, just he doesn't have to lose. Just let, no, know, no, no, like he's not even going to look like he's losing because they need to yeah. keep him looking like a monster. You know what I mean? Like that's that's my only concern. But. They've That's proven in the past no, that, that when they have sense. Willie Mack in these scenarios, I mean, Brian Cage arguably was probably in a stronger position than Wardlow in terms of not being able to be beat because he was a trios champion in Ring of Honor at the time. So as part of like a super dominant group. So I don't know. But excuse me after I cough there for a second. We had the kingdom come out, uh, uh, you know, to the ramp and say, we got something to say to Joe. You know, we're going to keep necking the halls. The neck of the halls is just not working for me. I'm sorry. It's, it's not as funny as, as uh, you know, no neck November. It's just not. I'm sorry. Um, you know, um, but either way, you know, <laughs> uh, we had the king take on the Iron Savages. And the only real notable thing that came out of this match, Charlie, was the wheelchair got KO'd. So is it finally, have they, has fate finally put an end to this fucking wheelchair gimmick? Or are they going to put like fucking kinesio tape on the wheelchair next week? Like what the fuck's happening? Like... <laughs> How the yeah. fuck do I always remember the name of that tape? I've never heard of that shit in my life, but because of wrestling, I remember it. You know what? Whatever. Yeah, yeah um, it works. Uh, Lexi was interviewing Ethan Page, who's back on actual TV now, and has basically said, yep, I'm basically done with my shit on Ring of Honor. Uh, I'm here to challenge Kenny Omega in Canada. So next week on Collision, it'll be Kenny Omega versus Ethan Page. Uh, I mean, I can imagine that can only do wonders for Ethan Page. Um, Kenny Omega will obviously give him a lot, I imagine, so... Uh, thoughts on that match? One of the biggest absences in AEW this entire year has been not having enough Kenny Omega solos matches. There you go. And Just let's fucking come up. on, keep them going. Let's let's trend this up. I get some more Canadians on these shows, bud. We're gonna be in Canada, so we might as well have some of them them there Canadians. Yeah, Twenty twenty four. Let's let's really make it a point to get more Kenny Omega singles matches because he's a fucking. It's Kenny Omega. Yeah. What more needs to be said? Let's Literally. get more. Oh, we had a video package setting up Mercedes Martinez versus Willow Nightingale, which looks like it's going to be a solo uh, match. It could be on Ring of Honor, possibly. I'm down with so, that. I hate uh, the pay-per-view, I mean. a non a non title program. 
Absolutely, 100%. And uh, there's history there, you know. Obviously, you know, I think Willow faced Mercedes. Did she not for the title at one point? In the, oh, I in a run? remember them like, tangling it up a little bit. Oh, yeah. And they had like a little decent little storyline, I want to say, too. You know, good stuff. We had uh, House of Blacks, um, you know, Buddy Matthews and Malachi Black, who I, I'm glad they're continuing to use them as a tag team, taking on Matt Seidel and Christopher Daniels. And I had a little thought, Charlie, while watching this match, which is that I think I think Matt Seidel and Buddy Matthews could actually have a banger of a match against each other. Yeah. I think that would be insane. So m- maybe if anybody, because they've had Buddy do a couple of singles matches throughout this too. It's a little, little you can, you, you can, the guys can totally steal that one. I won't be mad, you know? That one's pretty good. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be mad if you stole a match that I, I suggest anyway. It just means it's really good. Um, yeah, and the whole house has looked incredibly dominant lately. I think the plan of attack that they have is working. Um, Christopher Daniels, um, he's a legend. That's all I really have to say about him in this match. Uh, he's, he's a legend, man. Um, we had some Meteor Madness with the dueling Meteoras. Um, FDR arrive, and they're like, oh, you should join us. You're totally going to join us, and I'll tell you why you're going to join us, because you've got nobody in the back that'll come in and help you. And then they beat them down, Charlie, and nobody comes out from the back. The story they're telling right now is actually really crazy. I did not realize this is where this is going with the House yeah. of Black. And, and, and Dude, if that's... I don't think FTR are joining the House of Black. I, I seriously doubt that. I don't think that's what they're going with. But this story is actually pretty cool because it could leave FDR in a really interesting position after the story is done with, you know? So, yeah. Whole, and, and with this story with House of Black, you know, let's... I'm cool with them being more on collision, but you know, okay. I'm sure a lot of people have been mentioning this, uh, like more of a collision focus, right? Cause you know, we get some identity in here and there, but a lot of people have been mentioning this and, and you know, it's something we haven't brought up too much on our show, but I think it's uh, well, we'll bring it up today. You know, we see Malachi black in this match and of course he looks incredible. Well, since 2022, I'm going to give you the exact dates. January 5th, 2022, Malachi Black wrestled Brian Pillman Jr. June 22nd, 2022, Malachi Black wrestled Penta El Cero Miedo. He has not had a one-on-one singles match since. That's an actual crime, I have to say. Two matches in the entire year. How has he not had a match with Kenny since he's been there? These are in one-on-one. That's it. Like, that is it. And you're talking... The match before that was a Griff Garrison on Dynamite, and the match before that was Cody Rhodes. Yeah, we Holy gotta get some more singles shit. matches for our boy Malachi for sure. I I've known I've seen people mention you know ah, we need to see more of him before I I didn't realize it was like that. We're gonna go the entire year of 2023 unless they do something in the next three weeks of Malachi Black not getting a singles match. I think that, yeah, that's insane. We got to get him something. He, yeah. Wow. That's, um, that's nuts. I, the guy yeah. is one of the best singles wrestlers in the world. Like, that's crazy. I, like, I prefer him as a singles wrestler. I'm with you. I, 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 wow. You know so, what? I'll give you the match. Put him against Vikingo. Do it, cowards. I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, we had an exclusive interview with Tony Storm. And uh, then we know that there wasn't really much in this one i'll be honest with you um but then we also got a return for break sky blue promo which i thought was actually pretty good from her i think she's starting to find her identity as this character um i think she's starting to understand more what it is um 
so yeah, I'm, uh, I think Sky Blue is in a good position right now. I don't think she's winning, obviously, at the pay-per-view, likely. Uh, the AW women's division, especially the world title, is just in such a weird state right now, man. I, I don't even know what to say about it sometimes. You know, like, um, it feels very, like, we don't know what we're doing and neither do the fans. So let's just have some good matches. And that's fine, you know. But it does feel like they're kind of getting the back burner right now, especially with the tournament going on and all that. So um, do you have anything you want to say about that before I move on? Yeah, I mean, it feels like they're doing, you know, we're, we're, we're building Sky Blue up again, right? So, I, again, I, I just don't see her winning. So, I don't, I just, there's always that part of me that's like, oh, well, she has no shot until she does. And maybe that's why she'll win it, right? Maybe it'll just be yeah. for the shock. And I mean, because I don't really think this gimmick, as much as I like what Tony Storm is doing, carries the world title that well. I'll be honest with you. Um, I really like what she's doing, but I don't know if it's world title level stuff. You know what I mean? Like maybe I'm I'll just... tell you this. I, I'm cool with at Revolution. If if we build in 2024 for her and Mariah May to have a legit blood feud, I'm in. I, I could see that really working, uh, especially with, with, with how good we know that Mariah is from stardom. So um, an epic video package here of the Christian Cage versus... Adam Copeland stuff. And it was Christian cage, like projecting mostly on uh, all the stuff about himself onto edge on Adam Copeland. Um, but also there was a lot of, you could, he also hit on a lot of the internalized resentment from the years and years of being like second fiddle to Adam. You know what I mean? So just fucking brilliant stuff from those two, you know? Um, yes. Speaking of brilliant stuff, Kip Sabian took on a held El Hio del Vikingo. And Charlie, I just got to say what Vikingo can do with the ropes and the turnbuckles. It's not human. That, that's an that's not a human being. That's an alien. There's no way that person is like he's got the alien gene or something. Like we got to check this man for alien DNA. He might have escaped from Area 51. You know, like um, he possesses otherworldly abilities. It's unbelievable. There's some absolutely brutal chops in this match, um, which is crazy to say because there was a lot of matches with insane chops in them this week. You know, um, springboard Phoenix splash off like the backward flip off the second rope. Like, what is this man even doing? Like. What it's it's matches like this that just pop out of the blue that I'm telling you they highlight the the generational high flyer that he is absolutely um like he's on another ahead. he's on another fucking level and I was gonna I, say he's on a, he's wrestling on another plane of reality which is what he's doing you know yes, like and this was fucking a perfect example of it yes and dude collision this week was just inundated with just really fun matches and that 630 is still an absolute thing of beauty when he hits it and picks up the win kip sabian um started this off by saying that he was one of the most overrated wrestlers in, in AEW, which is you know which in wait question mark in AEW is he signed question mark anyway um no no i'm just kidding but um i don't think that's the case but i think hey, you know. he phrased it you know what i mean but he obviously does have a lot of you know impact in AEW. but uh yeah just really good stuff um and lexi was backstage and uh we had uh, confirmation on who uh keith lee or Yeet Lee, if you will, was um was challenging when he said him last week. It was it was Shane Taylor. It was we we knew that, but you know, you just never know. AEW loves their mystery boxes, so you know. Um but yeah, so now we're setting up a match, and this is gonna be one of your undercard matches at Ring of Honor Final Battle is going to be uh Keith Lee versus Shane Taylor. And that should be if they let it be what it should be, Charlie, that should be I mean, that could be a fucking match of your contender, let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like oh yeah. This is going to be some meat. Meat slapping um, meat. 
meat and the last meat. thing we had on the show before the main event we had miro backstage trying to get into andrade's office and uh he was pacified by cj he he was prevented from committing ritual violence charlie um and uh i guess it makes sense that they would do this because you can't have him like involve himself in the tournament because then you have to fire miro and that's not even a storyline you want to try and go into because then like you have miro in white rooms again questioning his existence and we don't need that um so yeah just uh i mean do you think that was the right move for them to have uh cj be like hey cool the jets pal you know we we can't have my guy losing the tournament because of you and you can't be fired yeah i'm not like i'm not like totally into the cj storyline that they're doing right now but you know, it, it it it's something. I, I hope it develops into something pretty neat. But yeah. I, I think I inevitably when this tournament is over, it just means he's going to immediately attack Andrade. Like maybe, and this might be the thing, maybe as soon as the tournament is over, literally, he just you get you cut the backstage and Andrade is just getting the shit kicked out of him after a match or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, you could do something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and we had our main event, obviously, Ryan Danielson versus Eddie Kingston, which I already talked about a lot, which is a really great match. And uh, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely go back and watch it. And that's that's collision for us, everybody. Um, yeah, that's the show, folks. So, yeah, this was a this was a fun week. And I'm looking forward to next week where we're going to be talking about the uh, Copeland and Christian Cage um, TNT title match. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, we got the Continental Classic. As always, and uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a good week. I got, I got, a, I got a positive vibe about this week. If this is your first time ever checking us out. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the show, and thanks for sticking around. And um, yeah, go ahead and hit the little, uh, hit the little follow button on whatever podcast platform you are on. Come and hang out with us. We appreciate it. Uh, we had our our year, you know, our Spotify wrapped of uh, similar to last year, and another pro- year of progressive growth, and it feels really good to uh, to see that. And uh, to to no one's surprise, after we saw in April, our largest influx was from the United Kingdom. So, those of you guys that are still sticking around that joined us in All In, thank you very much. Yeah, we got some Oi Bruvs. Oi Bruvs, we really appreciate you, bro. And uh, we will uh, catch you guys next week. So, hope you enjoy this week's episode uh, of course it's not playing fuck it fuck you